morning to you. It is uh, two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us on this this Wednesday. It's 503-228-4101. If you'd like to uh, be part of today's program, telephonically speaking, it's 503- 228 or you can email rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or uh, production assistant extraordinaire Greg Nibbler can be reached at Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, at KUFO.com. You can also text 520-51. Before we do uh, anything else today, before we begin the show in any other method or manner or form or function, we should say good morning to uh, Sarah Dillon, who is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to take on this newborn day as only she can. Ooh. How many hours <laughs> would you say you've been awake for, Sarah? Um, let's see. I woke up yesterday at about 9. 9 o'clock New York time or 9 o'clock our time? New York time. Okay, so that's... Which means that's 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So you're... That's only 23 hours. 23 hours. I'm Come a on. pansy. Seriously. Buck up. Yeah, I did not... I didn't sleep on the plane. I didn't sleep when I got home. I'm going on no sleep. Well, what's the point of sleeping on a plane? Then you're just going to be rested. No, well, and I could never sleep on a plane anyway, and I had an aisle seat, and I didn't have anything to lean against. And so you're sitting there with... We had cable to watch, because it was JetBlue. Oh, that's right. So you and I were taking the same airline then. So JetBlue has that thing. They have those those seat-back televisions. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that you would only have those in the first few rows of the plane, but now, you know, but like JetBlue, they've got it through the entire thing. All of you know, they've started that jazz of you, uh, you can no longer use any headphones except the ones that they sell you on the plane. And here's the other thing about no, JetBlue. No, but my neighbor, both of the people sitting next to me are both using other headphones. Now, see, and that's the, my plane. Nobody else could use, the, you and I must have been on different styles of plane. That's weird, okay. The plane I was on, I had exactly the same, uh, you know, the, the sort of the same layout as far as the televisions went, but I had the opposite experience where we were flanked on all sides by people who were like reaching into their bag and pulling out like their iPod headphones or like headphones that they would use as something else, and they were doing that thing of just repeatedly poking it into the <laughs> jack trying to get it to work, and then it wouldn't. So, um, but there was that, and then also this. Have you noticed that at some point in the last like six months or so, they've stopped taking cash? Yeah, I noticed that things. because I did get I did get me a little wine on the plane and, I, and did you try to pay with cash? And yeah, goes, I'm to, sorry, like, ma'am, we're not going to be taking we that need today. Your credit card, yeah. like, That's weird. which is bizarre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if there's. I mean, maybe it's not so bizarre because if it's a small charge, I guess it's like when you go to a convenience store and they say there's going to be like a five dollar minimum purchase for them to use your plastic for anything. So it must be that on the plane as well. Mm-hmm. But there's it's an odd sight to see the guy kind of wandering down the aisle with this sort of like. Thing where he like you know he scans your credit card through right there in the aisle. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Oh, and then when I was like totally delirious and gross and getting off the plane, then of course I bump into a listener. Of course. It's just like, hey, you sellers. Sure, Sarah Jillian? <laughs> I know my bag strap had broken, so I'm struggling with like this 40 pound bag. I'm trying to carry it. I have already like carried it through this, you know, through the subways and everything. And this guy is so nice. He's like, hey, you want help with your bag? And I thought it was some creepy guy like trying to steal my bag. I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and I kept walking. He's like, Best show ever. That's great. I thought you'd smell better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I look like crap. That's fantastic. <laughs> but hello, Dan. <laughs> All right, coming up uh, today, we'll talk to Oregonian music editor Ryan White. He will be in the studio with us today. Also going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see The Cult. Uh, they're going to be at the Roseland on uh, August 25th. And a pair of tickets to KUFO's Summer of Rock, the Pedal to the Metal Tour starring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, and more. We'll be giving uh, those away. Tim Riley, do you have this story about... Um, Beloved husband and dad mourned, but it's not his body in the casket. I do not know. All right, excellent. How about this? You have this headline from uh, The Sun. I was so desperate for sex change, I did it myself at home. I know I don't have that one. Fantastic. All right. You know, it's a great day when I can get out of bed and not only come here and be greeted by the return face of Sarah Dillon, but also beat Tim Riley to the punch on two moderately interesting stories. Fantastic. Let's find out what else is going on at the news desk. This is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 5.06 now. It's going to be the hottest day of the week. As the heat wave culminates with Sarah's first day back, giving us New York City-style no. weather with high temperatures near 100 degrees. Sleep well all day. Thanks, fantastic. Yeah, Are what, you kidding me? 100 degrees. So I just left that. So you're, you know, you've been up for 24 this is a hours. Kind of but, hot. You know, the it's a dry heat. <laughs> the um, the good news is at least you won't be able to sleep at home today. So have fun with that. Oh, and so I should just say right out of the gate. So last night. I, here's what you've got to look forward to, Sarah, because I came home, so I got back Sunday night at midnight, like Sunday night, Monday morning, midnight, got off the plane at midnight, went home, showered, because I had that New York City funk, mm. uh, and not like the good sort of sly in the family stone kind, uh, <laughs> all over me, and I just, you know, to give myself a scrubbing, and then I got, I had Mad Men that I had recorded, so I burned Mad Men and True Blood, the DVD, brought him because I wanted to get caught up, come to work. By the time I went to bed on Monday night, I'd been up for 37 hours, I think, because I was, I was, I couldn't nap during the day. And at a certain point, you realize I can't nap because it's not going to, it's not going to be a nap. If I nap, it's going to turn into 12 hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to miss everything. Um, so I stayed all the way up, slept. And then yesterday was the day that it kind of hit me. So I was just, as they say, uh, dragging ass all through, uh, Tuesday. And then I go to bed last night. And I've been asleep for maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes, so it's like 10.30 or something, and there's this sound in the house, and we blew a fuse, because with the air conditioner going, and apparently everybody else in the neighborhood at exactly the same moment walked over and turned on the air conditioner, because it was like 90-some degrees yesterday, so... So the, the uh, so the power outages have started to hit, uh, you know, started to hit my house, too. So look forward to that when you sleep. Yay. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, 2,500, that's what they counted, showed up for Clark County Representative Brian Barrett's town meeting at the Clark County Amphitheater. The congressman played it safe, saying he's not sure whether or not he'll support the health care bill. But you know who does well? Schooling these people who want to scream at the top of their lungs. And he's the first person to do it. Barney Frank knows how to scream back. He really does. So we're going to be playing. We don't have time to play them all at once because there's so many good cuts. But uh, Barney Frank... Really uh, schooled these people who thought that they were going to cause trouble at his town hall meeting. So he's one of them from yesterday. Let's see here. You're going to bankrupt this country, you and the Democrats, and you are making a mistake. 
I'm in response. Sorry, but I, I really I don't understand your mentality. What do you think you accomplish by yelling? What What do you accomplish by yelling? When you're through yelling, call me. Are you incapable of a conversation in which you talk and then I talk? You have to interrupt. Did you see, is this the same clip where the woman tried to compare Obama to Hitler? And Yeah, we're going to play that one later. Okay. There's plenty of good stuff from this meeting. There's I, lots of stuff. I won't, you, I won't give away the punchline then, but if that's the exchange you're talking about, I heard that uh, last night this morning, I think. And it was like where he referred to her as, you have the brain of a potted plant or something like that, which is awesome. You don't really hear enough politicians use language like that. I'd vote for no. guys more often if they said that. And, and Democrats are afraid to do it. And that's what the problem with Democrats is. You've got to scream back and, you know, berate these idiots that's who right. are coming after you. Right for the you, knees, have, you have to take a page from the Karl Rove playbook. <laughs> play their game. Well, that's, you know, the great thing about, you know, Karl Rove, of course, which is... It, 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 the, it it all comes from that sort of post Nixon mentality where you just where you you give no mercy and expect none because that was Nixon's whole thing is he just assumed that everybody was going to go right for his knees so he went right back and it was you know it didn't matter who it was you know it could be a guy trying to get in front of him you know at a Walgreens so you just uh, you just go right for the neck here's right. Tim Riley that's the way you treat stupid people that's right Tim. Three wheels and a baby. A man and his baby have been thrown from an ATV in Marion County. The cops say the dad John Pollard was driving this thing intoxicated with a kid who was not more than two years old hanging on to him when he lost control of the ATV, rolling it several times. He picks up the kid off the ground, drives away. The toddler is now in serious condition and a manual. There will be no expansion at PDX. Planners claim Portland International Airport can expand over the next 25 years without adding another runway by making the most of the current available space. It's doing more with less, as it should be done. Um... uh, a big public campaign has been unveiled to bring the Beavers to Beaverton. A group calling itself the Oregon Sports Authority supports this plan. Beaverton has already authorized spending one hundred thousand dollars to hire some shifty lawyers to help make this. Possible. And this is so. This is, but this is sort of the fallout from. Is this a chain reaction because of the the sports stadium thing that failed here? Right. Is there some sort of a, like a domino effect? Yes. Where because we're not going to be moving the one to everybody, you know, it's like musical chairs. Everybody shifts down one place, and so the Beavers are going to go to Beaverton. All right. Well, have fun with that. Uh, should we do it? Jackson Watch you, Surly? Oh, it's not. Let's do All one right. more here that's not the Jackson Watch, and then we'll get caught up around the corner. All right. Uh, let's see. A couple of New York stories here. Uh, suicide is no laughing matter, and a New York man found out the hard way that faking your suicide online in a chat room could get you arrested. Joseph Shepard joined the British chat room online to share his emotions about his girlfriend dumping him. He told fellow chatters he wanted to kill himself and allegedly committed suicide on his webcam. When others in the chat room saw this online, they contacted local authorities and who contacted more authorities in New York. Authorities were able to track the man down from his IP address, and the cops stormed his house only to find Shepard very much alive. He's been uh, charged with second-degree aggravated harassment. You know, what I do think about is this, and I... I sort of think that maybe this has happened in the last year or so that I've seen this in the news where there'll be some guy who decides to off himself. But then he just he decides, you know, his whole thing is I'm going to share it with the world. And then he leaves his webcam running and then he's just, you know, from his rafters well, or whatever common. But, but see, but, ha- but am I just making it up in my head that that has already happened? Yes. Where some guy just left his webcam running while he, you know, while no, he uh, killed oh, himself? It has, it, it has happened. Okay, see, when? Now, what was, what were the circumstances of it? More than once. I, it, people don't talk about suicides a lot, but, I mean, I've read about well, please don't, things happening. Uh, and please, the audience, don't take this the wrong way, but I, given this audience and the things that... Given the peculiar bent uh, that this show sometimes has, 
I my whole thing is if that had already happened, I think it would have been sent to me at some point because there's always you know there's people who can't wait to send you creepy things as we all know because I'll open up God I opened up my email uh, the other day and there was something some some horrible thing where a guy said hey would you like to check out a picture of a woman covered in spiders click here and I was like you know I thank you no I appreciate you listening and. By God, I, uh, I I like the fact that you're always trying to give us grist for the mill, but I'm not going to look at the spider-covered woman if it's all the same to you. So, well, in any event. The, so, the, when we come back, though, remind me to make I have one further observation that sort of ties into this, and it's about something that I saw captured on that Google Earth camera uh, just the other day. So, straight ahead, we've got uh, more from Tim Riley coming up later on in the program. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets to see uh, Mudvayne as part of KUFO's Summer of Rock Part 3. Also, uh, Ryan White for the Oregonian is going to be here to talk all things musical. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland. Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101 KUFO. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, during the course of the day, we should keep a track, like a sort of a running log, a tote board, a tally of how many hours you've been awake for. Like that day we were tracking the, the temperature in the studio when the air conditioning had conked out. Uh-huh. What was the, just my, the only time I'm going to dwell on the weather uh, back east, how hot was it yesterday when you left New York? It was over 100. Yeah. And it was like, uh, like walking through a wet, stinky cloud. That was my thing. It was like being inside, I compared it to being inside a wool sock that had, where somebody had taken it out of the dryer like about halfway through the cycle. So it was hot enough to be uncomfortable, but not hot enough to actually make it dry. So you're just sort of wrapped in this, uh, this have, warm, sodden layer of ugh. I have never sweat so much in my entire life, yeah. ever, than I have in this past week. It was disgusting. To the point that you don't even really feel like taking a shower because you're just going to get, you know, covered in sweat and scum again. No, anyway. I felt so unattractive, like, the entire time I was there. I didn't even bother putting on makeup. What did you say that you and your sister were? You said you... My you, sister and I are West Coast hot. I'm West Coast pretty. <laughs> I don't look so good on the East Coast. Because the minute you walk outside, there's just this sort of... And your clothing sticks to you, and then you just begin to exude... Just a just a horrible uh, sweat-like substance. Except it's not actually just sweat because sometimes, like if you're again on the on the West Coast, you can sweat and it's just you, you know you, you don't like and to do it. But it eventually, like evaporates. That's the thing is you don't you don't necessarily feel dirty as such because you know like if you're out on the beach or you walk around, you sweat and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, whereas there you sweat and then it just sort of clings to you and ferments on the outside like some sort of horrible viscous coating. That it does not go away. It does not go away. And no. If anything, you just keep sweating more and more and more in your clothes. Like I couldn't wear anything that wasn't black. I, I brought the... so many clothes with me. Have you noticed this? I was at uh, when we went to the Coney Island or Brighton Beach or something. I don't know if this is a thing that you saw when you were there, but apparently all the women who were in the Coney Island area, they took a, a vote at some point. They had like a town hall meeting and they all decided two things. One, they're all going to wear light colored clothing and B. <laughs> One and B. <laughs> I don't know how to how do I describe this exactly? All the women we saw. um, They would wear this light colored clothing. It's hot outside. And they would get these dual stains. I'm, oh, just, I'm, I'm just cupping my hands in front of my in front of me like boobs. Oh, like but, boob sweat? Yeah, but they would. That's. I didn't want to use that word, but yes, they would just. But then they would just. 
sort of not doing it. Like, if you were going out every day and you were getting boob sweat, wouldn't you be changing your clothes or the way you dressed? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not wearing, like, you know, light purple. That's everywhere. what I'm saying. You'd like, be you, dressed, gotta, you have to prepare. You would wear dark clothing. But I guess... I'm sorry, yes, because you do sweat. Like, it is unreal how, how hot it gets over I there. think their theory, though, is that if everybody has it, then kind of no one has it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we all have boob sweat together, then maybe no one will notice because then it just becomes a wash. You don't even really see it. That's pretty gross. Yeah, and it was so, like every woman you're walking by, like, you're trying not to stare, but you... And, but you can prepare. If I don't live on the East Coast and I can prepare to not show my sweaty parts to the world. But it's like they've all developed some sort of... Again. It's like they all have the same kind of lacto-leak going on or something. You know what I'm... But that's... I'm, I don't want to be crude, but that's exactly what it looks like. And then it... You know, and then you start to become... If you're a guy, then you start to become self-conscious. Like, wait a minute, do I have an embarrassing sweat stain somewhere that I'm not familiar with? And then you start to worry about the butt sweat or butt swamp, as the nibblers call it. Uh, it just becomes a whole cavalcade of weird. Oh, the nibblers. How cute were they in New York? Yeah, they were adorable. That was fun to hang out all together. Uh, we're going to have Greg come in later and talk to us about uh, Brett uh, Favre, who, I guess, who is signed with the Vikings. And I it, and even as little sports knowledge as I have, I, I have some thoughts on that. So we'll talk about that here in just a bit. Tim Riley, what headlines are you uh, tracking for the good people of Portland? Well, Barney Frank flips out at a heckler and he shows us just how it's done. Uh, Howard Dean makes a Freudian slip saying the Republicans want to kill the president. Uh, Richard Hatch uh, erroneously claims he was sent to prison for being a homosexual. Is this the uh, story where he, he, I think he volunteers without having been asked? And by the way, I was not uh, raped in prison. Right. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lauer reminds him he was in prison for being a tax cheat. And we'll play back the audio from Dr. Conrad Murray's video. Is that the uh, that's the Michael Jackson guy, right? Yes, he has a uh, he has a, a strange manner of speaking. There's something he weird. Can't pronounce ths. <laughs> is he, that what he, it is? He speaks like a New Yorker who grew up in India. That's exactly. See, there was some. He has like a strange confluence of dialects uh, yeah. that I find to be uniquely unsettling. All right, so that's all I have. We'll have more from uh, Tim Riley in just a moment. Coming up at six twenty-five, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we've got the Oregonian music editor Ryan White coming up later on today. Plus, a pair of tickets for you to see KUFO Summer of Rock Part Three. And it's all directly ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five. 3-228-4101. Back after this, it is Wednesday morning. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 52051. Coming up later on today, we'll talk to Oregonian music editor Ryan White. Also, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us. And Sarah Dillon will get to hear the story responsible for this soundbite. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. There you go. What? The expression on your face is what makes me glad you're back, Sarah. Right there. You have no idea how many days I've been waiting for you to come back so I could play that. Let me just... Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk... It's your, you have to close your mouth. You're going to catch flies, sister. It's your personal savior, Tim. 
In the news with Tim Riley. Hello again from the CBS News Center, the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. It's 5:42. It'll be the hottest day of the week today. High temperatures near 100. Well, the heat wave will be sticking around, but kids will be able to cool off at a new interactive fountain. The dedication ceremony for the Bill Nato Legacy Fountain is scheduled for tomorrow at noontime. Commissioner Nick Fish will be joined by hundreds of children beating the heat of the celebration being held at the Plaza and Pavilion at Waterfront Park. The ceremony will also include Chinese lion dancers. Imagine that, putting on those costumes in 100-degree heat. Uh, Portland Taco drummers will be there. A Native American blessing. They're blessing the white man's fountain. And a special <laughs> guest speaker. I didn't say anything. I'm just standing here. God bless those white people for... <laughs> Dedicating fountains for their white children. I, I really, it, it, it's just the idea. Well, never mind. Never mind. There's just too much there to go with. I'll just, it, it's just going to sidetrack us. I'll be here 15 minutes from now still talking about it. We'll just plunge on ahead. A fishing boat exploded while docked at the Scapoose Bay Marina near St. Helens, sending one man to the hospital. It happened at, aboard the 25-foot Tully Craft fishing vessel. It was tied to a dock when something exploded. Joshua Gifford was inside the cabin at the time of the blast. He was life flighted to a manual. They don't know what caused it yet. A Washington State deputy on patrol never made it to a domestic violence call after he hit an elk on the way, and he was killed. Apparently, there's some question whether or not he was wearing a seatbelt. New research from uh, Sarah's uh, uh, alma mater at the University of Washington says, you're breathing toxic air on an airplane. Half the air on passenger planes is bleed air. It comes from jet bleed engines. Bleed air. Mm-hmm. That's great. There's a danger of inhaling compounds that are coming out of this engine. The engine seals fail, and there are very potent toxins that come on board when the engine seal fails. Apparently, this happened a lot. Two dozen pilots have complained about being exposed to contaminated air and have terrible health problems. Well, so I have a question. So if you're on a plane... Yes. Everybody says you're breathing recirculated air, but that's not really true because if you're breathing recirculate, in other words, you can't recirculate air as such because the oxygen would be sucked out of it and then all that would be left is CO2. So when they say you're breathing recirculated air, that would be true if it was like a, an absolutely totally sealed capsule. But in that case, you would only have a finite amount of air that everybody would pass out. Are you drinking air from drinking? Are you, but you know what I mean? Are you, <laughs> are you inhaling air from tanks or something? Are there like, where is the air on a plane coming from? I thought it was just from the outside. Yeah, it doesn't it suck it air and, and purifies it and well, spits it back out into passenger but, spaces. But, well, okay, but see, but then you're not breathing the same air as everybody else because you would be. Ex- it, in other words, then is that air being blown out again by some other? Is there is there something sucking the air out of the cabin and blowing it outside? Because you couldn't if you were just pulling in air from outside around the plane, but you weren't expelling air. It would be like pumping up a tire, and eventually the air pressure would increase to a point that everybody would be would be very uncomfortable. So. Where is that air inside an airplane coming from that so you were breathing? So it comes from air filters, and uh, they use state-of-the-art, they say, HEPA air filters that capture up to 99.9% of small bacteria and viruses, even the bird flu. Right, but I, so I can get that there's filters that are they cleaning it. They circulate the air every three to five minutes. Except the recirculating that doesn't make any sense, though, because, because when you br- isn't it the deal if you breathe in you know, oxygen, but you exhale CO2? So that's why you couldn't just put us in a sealed room forever because we would asphyxiate because there'd be no oxygen left. So if there's like 300 people in a small tube and they're all breathing the same air for like six hours, 
Well, that clearly can't just be the same air for six hours because you you just all uh, you'd all die. There wouldn't be anything there to breathe. This is stuff like this that so I, the, I don't think air, about when I fly because I can't. The air drawn out of the compression section of the engine is cooled. Then it enters a cabin where it is mixed with the recirculated air that is passed through filters designed to remove bacteria and viruses. It's so confusing. It is confusing. All I know... So it doesn't remove fumes or vapors from the engine. Let me just say this, though. The only thing I know is that when I was sitting on the plane coming back from New York Sunday night, there was this weird system of lights that was turned on, just the right sequence, so I got a strange reflection. In other words, all the cabin lights were off, but there was a person one seat in front of me in the middle that had their light on, and I looked over to the left, and I was sort of by the window, and I swear to God, I saw I, what I thought William was... Shatner. <laughs> I saw William Shatner on the wing of the plane. Stewardess, is somebody from Star Trek on the wing of the plane? <laughs> I thought I saw a gremlin on the wing of the plane, though. I looked over, because the cabin lights were all off, and the person in the middle seat in front of me, their reading light was on, and so you, you kind of get that weird glow. And then you had that... Uh, and that scary low pitch, ding dong. And then, and then it reflects outside the window, so it looks the face is sort of vaguely human looking, but not quite because it Standing distorts. On the wing. Exactly. And I looked over, and for just a second, I went, ah! and I, I swear to God, I thought I saw a face looking in the window to my left. And then the voice started. The face at the window was talking to me about Priceline. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. How can I help you, sir, or madam? As the case may be. Oh, you were talking about the air on the plane. It is actually compressed oxygen that they add to the recirculating air on most planes. All right, so they don't add air to the plane as such. They just add oxygen to the air that we are already breathing, to the, to the, to the gas that we are breathing. Right, because they compress the plane and you're so high and the air is so thin, they don't actually exchange with outside air. They recirculate the air and they add compressed pure oxygen to it, to All right. the oxygen in the level. Okay, that makes sense. So it's sort of like you're, uh, I don't know, like if you were adding, um, like if you were chewing gum, you know, and then the, the you know the flavor gets chewed out. But you're, it was like if you're adding sugar to, uh, you know, to used gum. Something exactly. Like it's exactly that. like that. That's the best my brain can come up with at this point. All right, thank you, my friend. Yep. Oh, there you go. I love it that people are smarter than us. I love it that Tim and I both thought of William Shatner being on the wing of a plane looking inside. <laughs> All right. That's very scary. Somebody really ought to make that. There, there has to be, at some point, somebody has to have made a fan film. You know, where there's a, like a Patrick Stewart or somebody is trying, I'm just trying to fly back home. And he's sitting there and then he looks outside and George Takei is sort of like looking in from, from outside. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, Richard Hatch is interviewed by Matt Lauer and, and makes... A stupid remark that he was sent to prison, uh, not for tax evasion, but because he was a homosexual. And so, attention nerds, we should point out this is not Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica, which no. somebody already, somebody sent me an email this morning and they were very confused about this. This is the Survivor fellow. He is, and now he's the uh, he's the, uh, the winner of the first season yeah. of Survivor. He was on the he's only season I watched, uh, which was... Evil. Yeah, he was the uh, the guy. He had the alliance with what's his name, Rudy, the kind of grizzled vet. Which and so that's the only season of Survivor that I really paid close attention to. But so is he out of prison now? No, he's been sent back this morning. Really? Yes. For doing for, a bad interview for, with Matt Lauer for some unknown reason. <laughs> Here he was yesterday with Lauer. All right. Uh, hang on a minute. Here I got to sh- turn this back on. Uh, Richard Hatch being interviewed by Matt Lauer. Mm-hmm. You've alluded to me that you think because you were a homosexual that in some ways that negatively impacted your trial and your case. Are are you saying to me that if you were heterosexual you would not have gone to prison? I didn't mean to allude to it. I meant to state that 
definitively. Yeah, I do. I do believe that. I, I don't think you or anyone else could deny that we as homosexuals face discrimination. Wow. That had nothing to do with it. Wow, really? What? Yes, really. Oh, boy. Somebody's but been listening to Sam Adams a little too closely. And this new Michael Jackson doctor, people learn how to stare into cameras and just lie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is the new thing for 2009. <laughs> stare into a camera and lie. Just tell absolute mistruths. Well, you know, and it's like that Tom DeLay mugshot that came Did out a few you... years ago. Where you remember the, he had that mugshot and it was the first one where he didn't look like Paul Rubens being dragged out of a porno theater. It's like he was, he had the tie and he was smiling and he was clean cut and he looked very presentable. And after that was like a dividing line, like a before and after that the instant Tom DeLay's mugshot was seen by everybody, it's like criminals and petty thieves everywhere said, oh my God, you can look, that's the key. The key is to shave. And, and now everybody's mugshot looks beautiful. He was the same way yesterday when he, when he was interviewed, uh, DeLay, about being on Dancing with the Stars, that same aw shucks type of smile, yeah. like a face in the crowd, Andy Griffith playing that role. That's what he does. He does the smiling well. hayseed sort of boy next door kind of a thing. Like, how can you be in Texas and not like dancing? <laughs> But now you pointed out with like Richard Hatch, it's the same thing. It doesn't. It, it used to be that if you would see somebody and they were clearly lying on television, they would be sort of shifty-eyed about it, or they would be kind of uh, you know, moving back and forth uncomfortably, or their body language would indicate that look, I'm uh, I'm trying to tell a fib right now, and it's not going very well. But you really hit the nail on the head, like with the Jackson doctor too, where he just stares directly into the unblinking lens of the camera and just pedals a bunch of garbage right at us. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess you know everybody's got to be good at something. So uh, Richard Hatch went back to prison today. He was taken away from so unknown reason, probably because he's a homosexual. <laughs> First they came for the tax evaders, and I did not stand up because I was not a tax evader. All right, here's Tim Riley. Why did you hear about this uh, big dog attack in, in Georgia, all these wild dogs killing this elderly couple? So this woman uh, goes for a walk. By the way, these are both dog lovers, and we're all dog, dog lovers here, but there are some bad dogs out there. Woman goes for a walk. She doesn't come back. Husband goes and looks for her. He is killed by the same pack of wild dogs. Oh, creepy. Oh. So now these 14 dogs will be euthanized. Uh, they have a tank, a court order to put the dogs down that mall. 65-year-old Sherry Schweider and her husband, Carl. The victim's former neighbor recently moved away and had been feeding the uh, feral dogs who previously had not shown signs of aggressive behavior. Uh, see, that's the... They the, always do. That's, that's the thing about, about it is that... Everybody everybody sort of forgets that if you leave animals alone uh, for long enough, no matter how domesticated they are, they just become animals, animals. again. Yep. Speaking of which, you know, it's weird because I was just, I think it was TNT or something. I was flipping by, I, I don't know, it was maybe uh, maybe two two days ago, whatever. The first day I was back, so I guess Monday. Flipping by, and they were showing a movie I hadn't seen for the longest time. They were showing Cujo with D. Wallace Stone. And I hadn't seen the movie Cujo forever. And the movie is actually a lot less dark. The book is way bleaker than, than the movie because they, they end in different ways. As are most Stephen King you know, books. But what a horribly claustrophobic feeling movie that is. Because the entire movie is essentially just her, you know, because the deal is she and her kid are driving along. And it's like the hottest day of the year in, you know, wherever, in the, you know, Lick Skillet, Arkansas. And the car breaks down in the middle of a vacant lot. There's nobody for miles. And so they're stuck inside a non-air-conditioned car on the hottest day of the year uh, in a huge parking lot while a rabid uh, St. Bernard is outside. And that's it. And that's the, that, that happens in like the first five minutes. And that's the rest of the film. It's like her sweltering in this car wondering, I wonder if I can get out without losing my larynx. Let's do uh, one more here. One more here. Uh, oh, a San Jose, California dentist who admits... Molesting women patients faces a new charge. This was a 13-year-old girl. Uh, there are reports that 56-year-old Benva Oshana 
Lazar was arrested last week for allegedly touching the girl's breasts during a 2007 cleaning. Uh, the dentist entered a plea agreement with uh, Santa Clara prosecutors. Under the deal, the dentist continues his dentist practice under supervision. Wow. Under, I mean, why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I thought, exactly. why, why, I thought that why was going to lead to something else, but really I think that's sufficient. Why is that happening, that so, he's still no, cleaning teeth and whatever else? I don't know. Well, several women say uh, this dentist touched their breasts while uh, talking about the importance of mammograms in a dentist office. And he's a dentist. He's supposed to be cleaning their teeth. Well, maybe okay, it's sort a of like, a, you know how there's like an eye, ear, nose, and throat doctor. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's like a teeth, breasts, and buttocks doctor or something. All right. Well, that's this incidentally is why... I don't ever go. I don't get the gas. I don't get the sedation or sleep. whatever. You're afraid it is. someone's going to touch your breast. See, and I don't. Yes, that's exactly what I'm afraid <laughs> of, Sarah. Um, the, there was that dentist downtown for the longest time, and I think he's gone now. But there was a dentist on Third down by Borders Books with the big sign "Go to Sleep." That's exactly, and it just, it was creepy. I had my photograph taken underneath that sign at one point. What because did it say? It was a it was a dental office, and it, it the big selling point of this dentist was that they would give you they'd give anybody gas. They wouldn't you know like they didn't anybody. You could get the shot or whatever, but they could all they would also just sedate you. They would give you nitrous or whatever whatever that is, and it. It just said, the huge sign up front just said, go to sleep in big letters, which is creepy. It was like you were watching that movie, They Live, or whatever. It was just, you know, obey. And he's singing a lullaby into your ear. (laughs) Uh, All right. On that note, we'll uh, come back. We have Steve uh, Kastenbaum from CNN Radio. He's going to be joining us at 620. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. We've also got a uh, penis watch coming up later on. Casket watch, a pair of tickets to KUFO's Summer of Rock, and more. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show is live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Match may be limited, not available in all states. Prices vary based on how you buy. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up at 625, I'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we've also got uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White joining us at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll do the uh, top five coming up at 720 today. And we have more news on the way from Tim Riley. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following for the good people of Portland? Well, let's see. We have plenty of things to tell you about. First, a celebrity salsa dance instructor has been arrested on rape charges. Apparently, he's connected with a popular television program. A beloved husband and dad is born, but it's not his body in the casket. And Michael Jackson's body will be stacked up on top of other celebrities in a mausoleum, finally. Like like in a queue? Like they're sort of waiting for you know, for his turn to be buried? or just a, No, permanently. As its final resting place. Final resting place. Is this going to be like how Hugh Hefner is on top of uh, Marilyn Monroe? Isn't that the deal? That he's the, the, when he dies, he's going to be put in a thing that is directly above her? I believe that the one directly above Marilyn Monroe was for sale as of last week, so he might be below her, unless he bought it last week, because yeah, that some, one was vacant. Because that woman was like selling her yeah. husband's old, old plot, right? Mm-hmm. Then it must be adjacent, because his Hefner's talked about how forever he has, it, he reserved something, I guess maybe it's next to her, because he's, he, and he bought it like 40 years ago or whatever, when, it was the, you know, when she first died. He immediately bought the thing uh, next, next to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Forest Lawn is fun. Is it? It's a gas. It really is. Cemeteries are hilarious. Is Forest Lawn the one? So Forest Lawn is that's there, the there premier. There are a couple of different ones. It, but is that the, this is the one in Glendale we're talking about? 
And is that, would you say that's the top of the line as far as celebrity burial grounds goes? Yes. I mean, that's the, that really, that's for A-listers. Because mm-hmm. I went to that Forever Hollywood place, which I think that's is... That's a good one, too. So, that has some of the older stars. That was where, like, Jane Mansfield, I think it was. Who was the one that, uh, who was the beheaded one? That's Jane Mansfield. Jane yeah. Mansfield. So Jane Mansfield and uh, and uh, uh, Dee Dee Ramon was buried there. Now, is Jane's Ma- Jane Mansfield the one who's Mariska... Mariska Hargitay. That's yeah. her mom. Yeah. Okay. So she was the one who was dating, uh, what's his name, for the Church of Satan. Yeah, they had to close down Hollywood Forever for a while under the previous ownership because... It wasn't accessible to people in wheelchairs. Really? Can you believe that? No. No, I can't. Well, they did. California has some kooky laws. So before we do anything else, uh, I will play this because, and if you've been listening to the show the last day or so, you've you've heard this story, but it really, it, I have to say, speaking on behalf of myself and I think everybody with ears, it never gets old, but Sarah has to have some context for this quote. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. Because... I mean, not that the context is really going to help you out a whole lot, but... I just could have lived my whole life not hearing the phrase anal beer bongs. I, really? We talked oh, yesterday well, I, about... But it's a warning to kids everywhere. We were discussing yesterday... another Jenkum thing? How to... That, see, that... And Greg had never heard of the whole Jenkum scare oh. from 2007, 2008. So we were playing those sound bites because... As much as I don't want to know the logistics of... Even more graphic, anal beer bong. You do sort of wonder exactly how it is that that phrase came to exist. And the kids could learn it in an alley or learn it here. Or in shop class. Too. Yes. So I'll play you this sound, but this is from uh, ABC 15, which is the ABC affiliate in um, Phoenix, Arizona. And it's you know one of those stories they recycle about every 18 months about how your kids are... You know, you got to be careful because your kids are going to be hiding drugs in unexpected places or your kids may be... There's only two ways these stories go. One, kids are hiding drugs somewhere where you might not think to look. And in this case, I think the first thing they show is like it's like an, it's like a, like an Aquafina bottle or like a water bottle or something. And it's got like... The kid has like carved out some fake part in it where the, he like sticks his weed. Mm-hmm. There's that. Or the other variation on the story is how your kids are getting high with something that you wouldn't expect them to get high on, like they're huffing Pam or something out of a paper bag. Or uh, what is the other thing they always say kids get high on? Is it nutmeg? Is that the thing that kid, they say that I kids... I kids would... that huffed gas when I was in school. <laughs> gas? Like gas? Get like oh, my, my next car neighbor, gas? Yeah, my next door neighbor died, actually. Yeah. That's, huffing gas. That seems like a thing that would kill Not you. Not the brightest guy. Also set you on fire. Yeah. I think it would see... And Greg says they smoke nutmeg. But I'm unclear about whether that would actually do anything. Do we know? Does smoking nutmeg actually get you high, or is that just a thing that we've always heard? So I always worked with this. Uh, I I always worked with this series of guys in restaurants when I was a kid, and they would always find bizarre things in the kitchen that they would insist would get you drunk. Like there was a guy, we had this guy Paul, who would go in the back room, and when he wasn't huffing Ready Whip, he would be drinking maraschino cherry juice because he just insisted, "No, it gives you a great buzz," and it which just seems ludicrous on the face of it. But it's pretty gross. Anyway. So this is from ABC 15. Uh, This is the ABC affiliate in Phoenix. An alert for you parents tonight as the school year begins. There are brand new ways kids are taking and hiding drugs. We want to warn you, though, this story is graphic. And only on ABC 15, Nicole Byer talks to one person who knows all the tricks to help you spot the warning signs. Let's just say drug use triples. Between Triples. sixth and eighth grade. So this is some like this is like a some leather skinned blonde woman uh, who's talking about how your kids might be hiding weed, uh, you know, inside center. like a, a, a highlighter. Like water bottles. We're Arizonans. We drink a lot of water, but this one's unique because it's a storage. It's a stash area. Not only are kids stashing hash in hidden compartments, but the latest trends include snorting vodka, snorting vodka shots, even more graphic anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. Oh it's quicker God. absorption. It's 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 hidden. 
and it, it's new. And for females, I mean, they're damaging their reproductive systems. But that's not all. If you think your kid is studying, look a little closer at their highlighter. It, too, becomes a pipe. Lipstick works the same way. So, there you go. I, I could play you the rest, but really, you've heard the uh, you've heard the high watermark there inside that story. Thoughts, Sarah Dillon? Can I tell you, please don't take any offense at this. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings when I say that when we heard this story, the first thing we all said was, oh, I wish Sarah was here to weigh in on this. Because uh-huh. the, snorting, the snorting of the vodka doesn't make any sense to me. Snor- As Greg pointed out, like, if it's there, you know, your mouth is right below your nose. You could just drink it. Not that kids should be drinking vodka, but you I, know what I mean. I'm sorry. The, the, uh, okay. So the vodka tampon. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. Yes, Sarah. Wait, is that... Uh, like, are they, like, soaking them in vodka and sticking them in their purse, or are they sticking them in... Sticking them in their purse. Is that or, what the kids call it now? Or, you know. <laughs> I like that chick's purse. What's so they're trying to get drunk through their uh, reproductive organs? I, apparently. I Because she does say, you know, well, women are damaging... So if I just, like, take a vodka bath, then I'm going to be just wasted? Take a vodka bath. You're destroying your future. <laughs> that's right, Sarah. Also, your uterus. And let's not even get to the point of the beer bong part. Like, I, that doesn't make any sense. That's the, See, that's what everybody has latched onto. It's like, what... First of all... Look, I don't know when the last time anybody spent any, any amount of uh, sort of uh, like. How do I put it? I don't know when the last time you had so any kind of interaction with like teenage guys was, but really, I just based upon what I remember about being a, like a dude and being a teenage dude and being a high school going teenage dude, I can't imagine like a lot of bros who are hanging around outside a shop class or something and they say, hey, I don't know, what should we do this weekend? I don't know, we could uh, play Xbox or we could uh, could go buy myself a new lid at the mall or uh, also... Even more graphic, anal beer bong. We could do that too. Let's, uh, hey, don't you have that rec room? Is your mom out of town? Have you got any tubing? And then, you know, and then the guy's just carrying a case of natural light into the basement with him. But I don't under... I know you must have discussed this, but I don't even understand what that could mean. See, here's the thing. We really haven't discussed it because, A, that seems like a thing that's going to be particularly unpleasant, especially yeah. during these breakfast hours. And also, I, like, like what... this is something that everyone can have private conversations amongst themselves. Maybe text us what they think. But, but see, but don't do that even because there's no... Uh, I mean, I guess you can, there's no but there's no answer. logical explanation to it. Like, it makes it makes no just sense. Just like the Jenkum thing, how it's just like some talking head is just repeating some ridiculous story that makes no sense. Because I Maybe don't... that belongs in a public affairs show in the middle of the night. <laughs> Maybe. I can get Lacey Turner to talk about this. Lacey, we've got a, a brand new subject for you to discuss. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. So they can, uh, you know, they can they can Please use that the next time we're the next time we're looking for a crystal she really award. Needs to investigate this further. You know, those OAB awards are going to be coming up, Tim, and the Oregon Association of Broadcasters rewards only the highest standards of journalism. So perhaps if we did some sort of investigative report, I guess when I, when you said that people should, you know, so tell us exactly what they think about that. Here's why the because no, bo- people's minds go to dark places. You're right. I, so I retract speak. that. Uh, oh God. And but the thing about it is the beer bong, as I understand it, traditionally. That is where the guy's got a funnel and a hose, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's where you, it's where some some and guy or, holds up the like the little thing on the top, and they, you pour beer in and drink it. As yeah, as it's can. like if you go to you know if you go to Mexico, they do this too with um, they do this with tequila, where they'll just and donkeys, yeah, and also donkeys, sure, uh, where they just have the hose and the funnel, and they pour the the beer or whatever in, and you just drink it right out. But here's the thing about that is your mouth is able to swallow. I was about to say swallow. I was also. See, now I can't say what I was going to say because it would sound cruder than I meant it to. I was going to say, your mouth is able to sort of like suck the beer right out of there. You can go, there you go. I don't know how your body is set up, but for me, I, I lack, 
I don't have that ability, like, with my ears or, you know, whatever else. I mean, that's basically a mouth-only yeah, like activity. like having your ears eat food. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'd like, Tim. It'd be just like your ears doing it. All right, let's never talk about this again. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show I coming up. This is a topic for Lacey. Straight ahead, we have a CNN Radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. We will not be discussing vodka-soaked tampons with Steve. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will be joining us. Uh, plus, we get today's top five coming up at 7.20. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. Don't go anywhere. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Riggy Man? The Rick Anderson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. Still to come, 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Oregonian music editor Ryan White, uh, who's got a, uh, an upcoming piece about uh, a man he terms the last American rock star. Uh, we also got uh, today's top five coming up at 720. More news from Tim Riley, including what headlines, Tim? A local chihuahua saves apartment dwellers from a fire in Oregon City. A college porn model was seen kissing her accused killer the night she vanished. And a New York county becomes the first in the nation to ban e-cigarettes. By the way, I saw that uh, that uh, the state of Oregon, so Ted Kulingowski has the state of Oregon suing, suing. the company that right. makes that smoking everywhere thing. They, they were the, the ones actually who... Actually, the, the importer. Yes. Yeah, so the th- importer in Florida. Uh, and that's of the, the fake cigarette, the electronic cigarette that I bought for Sarah, which was subsequently uh, stolen from They're her. taking away your freedom. But the great thing is that they're counter-suing Oregon. They're suing Oregon and Washington. Lawsuits all around. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you on this fine Wednesday? Doing well. You know, you guys came to New York and you brought all that hot weather with you. We yeah. were having such a mild summer, and then you showed up, and it was—it's like in the nineties. Oh my God! Yesterday was miserable. As I'm like toting my bag on the subway, trying to get to JFK. Hey, say hello to Sarah, who's been up for twenty-four and a half hours. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. It was so fun to hang out with you, Steve. It was. Thank a- you. I had a great time too. So, did you tour the CNN? I did. I went in uh, because I, I just stumbled upon it. I didn't realize, uh, like, because I was just wandering around Manhattan and saw it. I'm like, oh, I'll give Steve Kastenbaum a call. We'll see if he's there. And sure enough, he was there. I was able to wander around, saw Anderson Cooper's door. Yeah. You didn't see Anderson there. Cooper, though, right? No, no, did you? No, he sort of lurks out of sight. I get okay, the feeling good. he sort of apparates. I was kind of, I was going to be really bummed if you guys saw him. No. Is no, that no. a standard size door in his office? <laughs> no, it's a huge door. It's five times, and it's covered in rubies and gems. It's big enough for Lou Dobbs to squeeze through. It's big enough for one. Steve actually did say, Steve, can I say this about what yeah. you said? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Wait, wait we a minute. Wa- wait a minute. Now, let me think. Yeah, yeah, you can say. Okay. We were walking like past uh, Anderson Cooper. He's like, and there's Lou Dobbs area. He's back there, but you don't want to see him. <laughs> I, <laughs> turned around left. I think that we had a variation on that statement told to us by Steve. Something like, well, Lou Dobbs is back there if you really want to talk to him. But the best part is, as you walk in, you go past these endless photographs, Greg was pointing this out, of Anderson Cooper striking a series of heroic poses. <laughs> so that's the great thing that Anderson Cooper walks by every day on his way to work. Look at me, how glorious I am. And it's just him, sort of like hands on his hips, kind of looking off into the horizon like uh, like Ronald Reagan in a Western, just sort of thinking, it's a dangerous world out there, but I'm just the man to cover it for Steve, America. Steve needs his own heroic pictures in there. I think you should get a series. You should demand one where like an eagle is flying behind you in the background, but and then there's like an explosion, and then also uh, you're carrying a, a baby, and there's a there's a building burning, collapsing. 
There, the the, uh, the images on the walls here sort of do have that quality about them, don't they? Yeah, everything is. It's very uh, it's very iconic. So anyway, but, so thank you for letting us uh, uh, tour CNN, and I got to see John King's Magic Map. Did that, you touch it? The no, see, I didn't want to. I was I was afraid if I touched it that I would wake up and none of it would be real. Mm-hmm. But it's that map he was using during the election where he's going Anderson. Even if he wins all of these states here, he still is behind in the electoral college. That touchscreen thing, I got to actually see from a distance of like a foot away that map, which is uh, that made the whole trip worthwhile right there. It was uh, it was glorious. So. In any event, I have no idea how to operate that thing, though. Hey, you know what? Well, that's okay. Nobody on Fox does either because they bought they bought a variation on that same thing and they just mangle it every day. It's just a disaster every time they try to use that thing. Uh, um, so let me ask you this: I had a friend of mine who I was just talking to the other day, and it is I won't say who it is, but it's somebody that Lauren and I've known for years and years and years. And they're like, I don't know, they're like 35 or 40 grand or something in credit card debt. I mean, there's the, the story where they got X number of credit cards and they just got themselves in hot up to their eyeballs, and they. Like a lot of people, they went immediately to, well, I didn't know it was going to work out this way. The credit card company swindled me. There was fine print, which you sort of instinctively disbelieve. But I do know that they're, it, so it, they're gonna, credit card companies are going to have to change a bunch of stuff uh, yeah. in the way they deal with people, right? Starting tomorrow, there's a bunch of rule changes here. If they're going to change your interest rate, they have to give you 45 days advance notice. So you may get one of those letters in the mail that uh, has a lot of fine print in it, and you should read that now because they have to give you 45 days heads up before they change uh, your, your interest and also any of the terms of the agreement. They have to mail you your bill 21 days before the due date now, and the best part is they're going to print on the bill how long it would take you to pay off your balance if you do nothing more than make the minimum payments. So if you're making the minimum payments, they have to say, this will be 17 years before you have paid off this rent-to-own television. I think Americans are, are in for a huge shock. They're going to find out that they're paying like five times the cost of an actual item that they bought if they're just making minimum payments. Right. It is, it is uh, one of those things that I think everybody gets it, and when that bill arrives in the mail, you just stick it on that big pile of bills, or it goes into that drawer in the kitchen that's kind of underneath the microwave where there's a half-empty roll of Lifesavers in there that doesn't have the wrapping, just has the foil. Right. So there's you know there's scotch tape, scissors, Lifesavers, and then 15 months worth of credit card bills that have just gone in there to the point that you where it becomes like an overstuffed suitcase before you travel somewhere you can't even get it closed or whatever yeah one guy told me uh a guy who works for one of these um websites that uh finds you the lowest interest rate cards out there he said to me if you only make the minimum payments you're make you're committing financial suicide is what he said it's, well, that's a cherry sentiment excellent by the way the final note here i have to also thank you for uh steve took us at the dinner when we were in new york and it was amazing. I mean, to the point that even when I just think back on it, I immediately become full. Uh, just sort of reflecting on the meal, I get this sort of pleasant, bloated sensation. That calamari going on. was some of the best. Uh, that, that is the best calamari I've ever had. Was, was that not the best fried calamari anywhere that you've ever had? No, the whole place so was good. great. I can't everything. Think about it right now. Yeah, no, the, the, top to bottom, everything was was fantastic. And I, in fact, was sort of reflecting sadly on that meal as I was on my flight on the way back, and the guy was handing me, you know, like a sad pack of stale pretzels or whatever. By the way, just a final note here. As I was getting on the plane, I had stopped by the sort of like the, whatever the concession stand or the you know whatever the, the snack store or something you know at the at the JFK Airport before I got on. And I I forget what it even was, but it was like some weird sort of spiced, salted, sweet, toffee, nut concoction thing. You know, it's like a toffee-coated peanut sort of deal. Anyway, it, whatever. It, and, you know, and it, it's airport food, so it cost me like $16. And I get on the plane, 
And I'm all excited to have my, uh, you know, to have my tasty snack for the air, for the for the flight home because you figure it's vacation, you know, because vacation calories don't count. You can just sort of eat whatever you want. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is the last terrible thing I'm going to put in my body before I have to go back home and begin eating well again. I haven't been on the plane like 19 seconds, and they announce, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to announce that there is a um, there is a peanut allergy on the plane. So if you have anything containing any kind of nut product, you will not be allowed to open that or consume it at any time during the flight. And it would took everything. I think that's unfair. No, that and it's totally so unfair. And, and Laura knew what my reaction was going to be because she immediately put her hand and guys will know what I'm talking about when your wife puts her hand on your leg and she like tightens it just a little bit as sort of a don't say anything, don't move, don't get out of your seat and cause trouble, you bastard. It was all I could do not to later take a trip to the lavatory and sort of secretly just sprinkle peanuts on the aisle behind me like Hansel and Gretel just to see if it was really true. You know what I mean? I don't get it. So, like, the allergy extends to the actual uh, breathing in of peanut fumes? Yes, Steve. That's because it's imaginary. Imaginary allergies can extend everywhere. They can, ex- they can encircle the globe, if you like. So. I never heard that. I mean, you know, I, I know people get uh, what, what is it called? Anaphylaxic? Is that is that what happens when when you actually eat the nuts? Well, that's a that's yeah. uh, the bee sting thing. An anaphylactic oh. shock is that's what you get when you're stung by a bee. Oh well, I think the same thing happens with people who are allergic to nuts. But I didn't know like if you inhale. Come on, yeah. you inhale that's, it. Well, that's like saying that if you were to walk by some bees that were thirty or forty yards away, you would go into shock, which is also fake. So you know, I'm just you know, like the bee sting. Like if a bee stings, like if you're jamming parts of a bee inside you, yes. Rick, I figured it out. I know why they they won't let you eat the nuts on a plane if somebody else has an allergy. Mm. God forbid you hit turbulence. One of the nuts goes flying out of your hand. Lands and it lands in somebody's nose. Lands in their mouth yeah. just as they're inhaling and they swallow the peanut. That's the uh, that's death by Rube Goldberg is what that is. All right. On that note, my friend, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. There you go. Seeing a radio correspondent, Steve Castenbaum. And P.S. He's like as cool in person as he sounds. He is, and oh, yeah. and that CNN facility is awesome. Oh yeah, it really is. Like I'm it, envious. It, I'm gonna have to go look at. It. No, it's it's eight floors of of glory. You got to go check it out at some point. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone. As a rock star, you know, I was being a rock star in the music through Limp Bizkit and the rock star. The Rick Emerson Show returns. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Oregonian music editor Ryan White, and we will hear his take on who the last American rock star is. Uh, We also have uh, today's top five coming up at 7.20. You can prepare your hate mail now. Coming up at uh, 7.20, we'll be counting down the top five metal albums of all time. Five greatest metal albums of all time. All time. Forever. Good luck with that. Top to bottom. Definitive. Yeah, well, if you're putting yourself out there like that, you are going to be burned at the stake. Final word. It's the period on the end of the metal sentence. It's coming up uh, today at 720. Uh, And then in the 8 o'clock hour, so I I, I don't even know how to begin to describe all of the stuff that happened to you in New York because I don't know a lot of it. All I know is at one point you were caught in the middle of a bar brawl. And not just a bar brawl. It was like not between two drunk guys. It was between... About uh, half seven, the bar and the other half of the bar. About seven New Jersey skinheads and about uh, like four like spindly hipsters. Now was the 
Forgive this question. The fight wasn't wasn't about you in some way, was it? Because no. I could see that happening. No, but I randomly um, was outside and I was talking to one of the skinheads because he came up to us and he was super scary looking. And uh, my friend Laurel and I were standing outside because she uh, works for JetBlue and she was actually in town at the same right. time. So we went and had a beer at this place called the Turkey's Nest. And that's um, actually where they film uh, most of the episodes for Rescue Me. Okay, see, that's what somebody told me. Is I got an email like, "Hey, Sarah got into a fight at this uh, this beer at this beer bar where they you know where they film Rescue Me." Yeah. So that's kind of all I heard. So we'll get no, to the, yeah, the full details from that. It was it was the craziest night ever. Uh, and anyway, a lot of other stuff coming up uh, at the news desk. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. Ding. Hi. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland. 648 is going to be the hottest day of the week so far. High temperatures near 100. Meanwhile, the cops are investigating some barroom robberies here. Security cameras from the Daily Double Tavern show an armed robber demanding money from the bartender. They also received reports of robbery at Sam's Highway when a masked man used a gun to steal money from the bar. Police say the two robberies could be connected since they're both on 162nd Avenue near Gresham. And they're both committed within moments of each other. Them people are robbing churches in Gresham. Yes, People going to church are being less vigilant about their belongings as well. The suspect has been hitting charges churches since July and is accused of being responsible of credit card and cash thefts during weddings and vacation Bible seminars. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at the idea of somebody... And it's a woman, a white woman in her 40s, slender, with blonde hair. She goes by the alias of... Tammy or Cammy. I'm, I'm sure that Tammy's an alias, too. Where is this, Gresham? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure Tammy in no way is related to her real name. Tammy or Cammy? Yeah, Tammy or Cammy. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. uh, Good twin, bad twin. I will guarantee you, uh, when they arrest this woman, you see her mugshot, her name is going to be Cammy Tammy. Uh, that's Cammy, it. Tammy. Cammy Tammy Parsons. Uh, and there will be little hearts over the, each of the eyes. Also, speaking of Gresham, we should note that last night uh, I was watching, I don't know, I was watching something or other, and uh, but I saw... Cops? I, w- Close. I was watching something, and it, it was actually a sort of a, it was a follow up to our discussion with Daxel from TMZ because we were talking about that sex tape that is floating around. That uh, is what's her name, Rebecca Gayhart and Dane, what's his name, uh, from uh, from Grey's Anatomy, and how it's him and Rebecca Gayhart and some other chick. And turns out that what Greg had pointed this out that the other woman in that sex tape was Miss Teen Oregon from Gresham. In 2002, is that it? 2002, 2001? Yeah, 2002. Like yeah, so 2000, yeah, Carrie Ann Panash, Panesh, whatever her name is. That's not the chick who who was in the building a year or two who ago that had posted around? Playboy, was it? Who was the girl that uh, that was in Playboy from Oregon a couple years ago? She was, this one was in Playboy. There was another one that was in Playboy too. There was one from Scapoose that was in Playboy. Could you sound more like a serial killer? There was I, another one I saw. It's kind of strange. I like the way I, it looked. She was in the September 2003 issue, and the other one was in the November 2007. I found it to be very alluring. I tried to talk to it, but it wouldn't give me its number. I'm a journalist merely reporting the facts. (laughs) It will pay for this transgression later. Anyway, uh, but so yeah, so Carrie Ann, what's her name, from Gresham, who was Miss Teen Oregon 2002, is now on this sex tape, which they claim isn't a sex tape. They claim it's just, quote, a naked tape, because (laughs) all they're doing on the tape is getting high on what seems to be crack. Jankum. Or Jenk, I'm sure, or an anal beer bong of some kind, uh, and then talking about whether they ought to all have sex together. So it's all very weird. Here's Tim Riley. So tempers continue to flare at these town hall meetings. Uh, this little one is from the meeting they had in Las Vegas, which should be interesting. The, 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 and, and when we and when
we have Memorial Day in Israel, we respect the soldiers. We don't do mattresses sales and we can we respect soldiers. What Here, where is this happening? Las Vegas. Them. The guys I'm only getting this in one channel, but I'm I can, I can hear that it's I'm a Jew. You telling me I'll Hitler? Shame of you. Shame of no, you. This whole country is this whole country is headed for one That's big just one. It's headed for one big flashpoint. Between that and Barney Frank screaming at that woman, was that in Massachusetts that that happened? Or was it like that some, was, some? That was in Massachusetts. Uh, we have a whole bunch of those to play back for you later. Here's uh, here's one of them. Are you incapable of a conversation in which you talk and then I talk? You have to interrupt. I mean, I, I don't. I, I didn't. I don't ask you to trust me. I ask you to have a civil conversation. Boy, he, he's a guy that you can tell just has to walk around every day squeezing some sort of a stress-relieving, uh, you know, like one of those office toys just so he doesn't punch people in the face. You can yeah, that's the way it should be. Barney Frank is a man filled with anger, and yes. I like it. That's the way all these Democrats should be instead of, you know, hiding from people. Scream back at them. Well, they're just a little back. I mean, that's the thing with that. But they, but they won't because they love to fail. Democrats love losing. They love failing. Hire me. I'll scream back at them. You say the time you hire hire me right now. I don't give an f. I'll scream at anybody. Uh, you know what? I will scream at anybody uh, about anything for any length of time if they pay me enough. It doesn't. I don't care. All right, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Oregonian music editor Ryan White. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the last great American rock star, and we'll find out who he thinks that is. It's seven twenty. Top five metal albums of all time. Coming up later on, Sarah Dillon's anecdote about a barroom brawl. You stay there. We're live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I can take or leave him. It's okay. This is Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. It's 503-228-4101. Of course, today we are rejoined by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon, who has now been awake for 25 hours and 5 minutes. Well yes. done. You are a game day player like I the men of old. I love caffeine so much. Really? With the, I was with... talking to Ryan in the kitchen, and I'm like on this happy, caffeinated, like delirious wave. Well, because as Henry Rollins once said, sleep deprivation makes everything really neat. Mm-hmm. Sort of everything becomes, you start to feel like, uh, you know, like at any moment you're going to see the giant caterpillar on top of the mushroom sort of saying, curious, sir, and, you know, and everything it gets a sort of wavy quality to it. Keith Richards has this, he told this story one time about, and he, he really nailed this. He he had a very succinct explanation for how it feels. He said, that, you know, when you sleep and wake up and sleep and wake up, your brain has compartments for what happened when. And he's like, you know, but he's like, when you're on tour, you know, it's just like one big compartment that goes back like forever, man. It's just <laughs> like, and which is totally true. When you start, you realize that you have no, even with a watch or a clock or some time telling device, you have no framing context for when anything happened. No, I have no concept of time. And now I'm used to it being like, it would be 10 o'clock in New York right now. Yeah. I just, I, I no, you can't think about that is. because that, because then you start to imagine, then you can't figure out if you've had more sleep than normal or less. Exactly. And then I can't figure out like when I'm supposed to eat yeah. because I'm not really hungry, but then I ate at like, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Well, and we're such dinner at one in the morning. obsessive compulsive freaks. I mean, you and I both that going on vacation in some ways is the worst thing for me because all my routines are stripped away. See, because you didn't find your happy place. You and Lara and I were talking about it because every day I did have my routine where I'd wake up and I'd go to my coffee shop. Oh, right. Yeah. Because I never found a place to go in the morning. Yes. Yeah, so I go to my coffee shop, get an egg and cheese on a baguette. 
get like a um, an iced coffee and then sit there and plan out my day and then walk back, take a shower and then go and do. See, and Laura would see me going for the day planner and she'd like raise one eyebrow because I was supposed to not be working when I was on vacation, <laughs> which is like an impossibility. How did but I, I, I would start to pick it up and she'd look over and she wouldn't say anything. She'd just sort of arch an eyebrow at me and, you know, which, which just spoke volumes. So, all right. Uh, in any event, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian music editor extraordinaire, Ryan White. Hello, sir. How are you today? I've been up for uh, 45 minutes straight. <laughs> you know, You're crazy. just like just like the players of yore, you come to the uh, you come to the show prepared. And, you know, uh, I, I loved when you were tallying how long she had been up for. You looked over your shoulder like there was a Jerry Lewis like tote board up 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 over there. I don't understand why it's so low. Don't you understand up there? Yeah, uh, all I need to be doing is like bloating up with Percocet uh, water retention and then occasionally keeling over on stage. Do they still do the Labor Day telethon? Are we coming up on that? I think so. I haven't watched it in about 30 years. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I'm assuming they still... Nobody pays much attention to it. No, but you know why? Here's the thing. I'm sorry, Ryan, to have immediately just deviated back. I the, think I started it. Do you, do you watch the... Does anybody here actually watch the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon? Not in years. All right. You know why? Because he doesn't pass out anymore. Because the thing is, you used to be able to watch the Labor Day Telethon and Jerry Lewis, because he didn't stay. See, the thing is, he's kind of become a pussy about it now that he's like 100 years old and his bones are just uh, half dust. He used to just stay up for the entire time. He wouldn't sleep. And, and then McMahon would say, how do you do it, Jerry? How do you do it? I'm great, but you know what? I, I'm able to stand here, and I'm able to wave my arms around, and I'm able to pace back and forth, but that's because I'm not afflicted, Ed. These children are, and I don't understand why. And then he would, he would reach some nuclear stage. He would pass some event horizon in his own mind where every... Every single uh, question that would be asked of him would turn into a screaming rant, like, at the camera. And he would just start to lose his composure and yell about the fact that the money wasn't coming in fast enough. Or... or you know, he he would berate people, bring him checks that he thought were too small. Yeah. Like, Here's a representative from the Newark Sewer Workers Union, and he's trembling as he holds him. Is that all it is? Is that all? And, he, and the guy crawls off stage until next year. And he would just sit there and just rivulets of sweat would be pouring out. And you would think to yourself, like, I'm just going to see this guy's heart blow out the front of his chest any second. And every now and again, he would get, he would start, he would be on some tirade about something. And I think that somebody's oxygen flow would not be going quite correctly. And he would just start to list to port. And you would, and you know, and he would just keel onto the floor. But I think it is, at a certain juncture in his life, they just started making him, either he did it or somebody told him, like, you can't do that anymore. And so now he naps. So now he sleeps during the telethon, which is not really in to real me. time? That, yeah, it just doesn't. You have a camera on the camera. corner. It's a web exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to put on our HD channel. KUFO 2 is uh, just going to be the sound of Jerry Lewis snoring. <laughs> but it'll be digital. So, you know, there you go. All right, Ryan White, uh, Good music editor. Now that we've uh, spent a cozy six seconds talking to you before talking about Jerry Lewis, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and sweat, uh, you've got. A, if we can talk about this, because you teased a little bit of this to me in the email, you you just gave a one line description about uh, about what you've got coming up in the Sunday Oregonian, which is uh, something you call the last rock star. Actually, this is in the the Friday A and E. I'm sorry, the Friday A and E. Friday A and E section. Uh, we're looking at the last rock star, I think, Jack White. And so what? in your assessment, is what is a rock star? There was a couple of years ago, and I, and, and I, was think, I, I began thinking about him in this way after the Tours came through town last year, and they came out and they opened with, with, with Consular of the Lonely, and Brendan Benson sings the first couple of lines, and everybody was like, yay. And then Jack White spun around and hit his first line, and the place exploded. Right. And you're just like, and, and for the rest of the night, it was just like all eyes on him. He's bigger than the room. 
and, and, and I started thinking about him, and he has pulled this wonderful balancing act in the 21st century in that he is famous, but he is not well-known. I mean, I think I know that he's married to a model. I think I read that somewhere. I know that he was once married to Meg White, um, and that he is still even keeping up that charade that they were brother and sister. If you right. see the trailer for this uh, tour documentary where they went on, on the White Stripes 2007 tour through Canada, they went and they did things. They played like a bus in Winnipeg. There's video on YouTube of them sitting there on this bus in Winnipeg playing the wheels on the bus, and these guys just screaming like, this is so bleeping cool. I can't believe Jack White's on my bus. And they played a fishing boat off of Prince Edward Island, and so the, the, they're premiering this at the... Uh, at the Toronto Film Festival next month, and the trailer for it is this like beautiful black and white, uh, you know, scenery of, of of frigid Canada, and it just says a brother and sister's journey across Canada. And it's like you know he doesn't care that you've blo- that you know his that everybody, narrative, knows. That, that everybody knows he will stick to his own narrative, and and you know we've in in creating this you know it, the music industry it fracturing the way that it does the way that stars are made, uh, and you know. Something had to be something had to be sacrificed for everybody being able to make music, and what got sacrificed was was the economy of scale. You know, everything has been made smaller, and so here's this one guy still who will just go and do anything. the The first video off that from uh, from the Dead Weather uh, record that they're coming through on uh, he's coming through with on Sunday the the song Treat Me Like Your Mother. They went right. and got they went and got Jonathan Glazer who who directed the movie Sexy Beast, and they created this you know I don't know post suburban is really a word. But they're in that 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 kind of that nebulous nothing area outside a very well planned suburban community. He and Allison Mossart from the Kills, who, who are the singer, and they're walking away from each other in black leather, both with guns at their side, spin around a cue halfway through the song, and just start walking towards each other, shooting holes in one another. And it's like one of the coolest, awesome. it's one of the coolest videos I've seen in a long, long time. It was the kind of thing that you know back, you know, when we were watching MTV, it, 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 it was almost the kind of thing like, you know, Axl Rose would have done. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's that big. He's got a of... sense of his own mystique or he has yeah. a sense of his own. And it's obviously a construct, you know, it's an artifice, yeah. but that's but that's part of rock and roll. Right. It's, and it it's always the, has been. It's the Gatsbyan recreation of self, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you grow you're born in, you know, New Brunswick is some guy. Uh, you, you know, but you don't want to be that guy, and so you refashion yourself as the uber you, as the super you. And, and there's a little bit, you know, and there's always a little bit of absurdity to that, like the idea that he's standing outside a suburb gunslinging with somebody, which right. is sort of ridiculous, unless you just throw yourself into it, you know, wholeheartedly with no reservations. You can't hold back, you can't wink, you can't nod, you can't be ironic about it. And if you just, and Jack White... Because you think about the White Stripes and Jack White himself and so much of the stuff they do, like the brother and sister thing or the red and white outfits or, you know, that he, that he sort of shamelessly apes like Zeppelin or Mick Jagger mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Or, he, that again, like with something you just talked about where they're doing this, uh, you know, this duel at dawn gunslinging thing that could be sort of ridiculous, except that he just is like he just does it full on. Except he's Jack White. Yeah. And so it works. And, it's, you know, I, I, you, t- you talk about that construct and the narrative that you create. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, the, the best people took from Dylan, who, you know, basically in, in many ways exists as a myth and has never let anybody pin him down on anything, which allows him, you know, to then be anything himself yeah. whenever whenever he wants to. And, you know, the, the, the people who, who I think are really, really interesting have gotten that and don't let people like me nail them down. So when we come back, we'll talk more about that. We'll also discuss, I don't want to give it away, but you, you saw... Was it over the weekend that you saw this this film? It was the end of last week. Yes. The end of last week. You saw a film that you hadn't seen for a long time, and you came to the conclusion that the end of this film was the best thing you'd ever seen in your life. My favorite thing ever. The greatest, the greatest thing that had ever existed. So we'll find out what that film was.
when we come back. Plus, we'll be counting down the top five metal albums of all time. You stay there and more uh, from Tim Riley at the news desk ahead as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Watch me go loop up Academy Award nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Hi, I'm a big retarded clown. You're so weird. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from uh, beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, where uh, Sarah Dillon is uh, once again in residence after her time in New York City. Coming up next hour, we'll find out about the bar brawl that she was in. Not really part of as such, but sort of caught in the maelstrom that was the bar brawl at the place where they film the bar scenes for Rescue Me. Let's just say the, the uh, when it started, the person who was the first one down uh, flew within inches of me. And I mean, like... Flew by me, and there were inanimate objects involved. I mean, there was like, you know, foreign yes. objects brought in that were, you know, that were used. Let's just say point. I almost witnessed an American History X scene. Okay. Moving forward, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. Seven twenty-six. Now it's going to be the hottest day of the week with temperatures near one hundred degrees, which means it's going to be even hotter in the western suburbs because that's the way it always is. A Chihuahua is a hero this morning, credited with saving lives of an Oregon City apartment dweller. Uh, Jack began yapping uncontrollably until the owner woke up, told Jack, be quiet, go back to bed. Jack refused to stop that yapping. He refused. Very stubborn. Thank goodness he refused. Chris Santiago and his wife, Angela, woke up and saw the place across from them on fire. Chris grabbed a garden hose and tried to fight the blaze till the firefighters arrived. We can all thank Jack. The Chihuahua for saving lives. Didn't we have that story about it six months ago, eight months ago, where there was some dog that inexplicably was able to dial 911 or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it maybe it had been trained now that I think about it. Was it because it, I guess it, it, it might have been like a one touch dial where there's the, there's the big button on the phone. Some like of those phones. Dial kind? Yeah, or it says like, it just has, it's a big red button that says like fire or, you know, police or whatever. And I guess the dog had maybe been trained to do it, which even as the words leave my mouth sounds insane. But they have those dogs that will, I think it's for, um, What's it? It's like uh, epileptics or something. It's like they have those dogs that can tell when they're about to have a seizure. And the oh, creepy yeah. thing is, yeah. like, they know before you even, like, before the seizure even, you know, Don't you sets ever on. Think about that. Like, a lot of dogs can do that. They can tell something bad's going to happen. Whenever yeah. I see a dog acting weird around me, I'm like, what's going to happen? So I what think that sense. Many things that the people believe to be superstitions or that the, that we would call superstitions, I think, probably have some scientific basis that just hasn't been sussed out. Because that's the sort of thing, and as much as I'm not like some crystal-gazing hippie nitwit, that's the kind of stuff that gives me a little bit of pause when I read that they've figured out in a lab somehow how dogs can figure out, you know, something that's about to happen to you before you know it. And then I just, but then I have to put it out of my head because it freaks me out. Like that dog that got hit by lightning in, in Britain and walks around on its hind legs now. Do you remember seeing that? No. See, you I have either. No, because here's... Do you remember it, Tim? This is proof of what I'm talking about, because (laughs) you and I both read the story together, and then you said, that's terrifying. They, there was a dog in, I'm not making, quit looking at me like I'm crazy, you sons of bitches. I'm not crazy, you're crazy. There was a dog in Britain that was injured. It was like hit by lightning or was hit by, it was a train. They had some horrific injury happen to it. And it did something to the spine, and the dog was walking around on its hind legs. It was just walking, like, standing up. Did we look at pictures of it? There were photographs of it. Now, granted, they were in the British press, but it didn't seem like it was just flat out. Like when the, the, the news, of the, you know, the, the Weekly World News or something. It was a dog walking around on its hind legs, and they had this whole discussion about whether they were going to cast it in one of the upcoming, like, Harry Potter films or whatever, because it would, you know, because it looked so freaky. Oh, when I was uh, in New York, I met uh, dog models. 
I don't know what that means. I met the two dogs that are used in commercials, and they were on an episode of uh, Project Runway, and they got married on a show called uh, Puppy Weddings. That's great. Okay. This whole thing is turning bizarre. It really is. <laughs> hey, uh, just quickly, let's go around the room right now. Hey, uh, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian, do you yes. have a dog? No. Okay. Then you are excluded from this question. Have you, and I will ask Tim and then Sarah, and then I will answer myself, have you ever looked at your own dog, one of your dogs, and you said to yourself, my dog is adorable. He ought to be a model. Tim? No. Sarah? Did you ever look at Muppet and think oh, you got to be in commercials? You've seen Muppet, of course. That's me too. Found myself saying that actually just the other night. I'm going, I was, Max did something and I was saying, you know, I bet we could get this dog work in commercials. We had to look into that. And then we kind of looked at each other and you realize that's a conversation that you should never repeat to anybody else because you've just become a dog person at that moment. Good thing you just said it out loud. I got to find the photograph of that dog walking upright, you bastards, and then you'll know it's true. Here's Tim Riley. So Barney Frank is finally doing what all the Democrats should do. Yell back at people. That's this right. This is a meeting last night in Massachusetts. Why Why do you continue to support a Nazi policy as Obama has expressly supported this policy? Why are you supporting it? Let me, uh, I will, when you ask me that question, I am going to revert to my ethnic heritage and ask to your question with a question. On what planet do you spend most of your time? You want me to answer the question? Yes, as you stand there with a picture of the president, the face to look like Hitler, and compare the effort to increase health care to the Nazis, my answer to you is, as I said before, it is a tribute to the First Amendment that this kind of vile, contemptible nonsense is so freely propagated. One more trying to have a conversation with you would be like trying to argue with a dining room table. I have no interest in doing it. How about that? That is awesome. Trying to have a conversation with you would be like trying to argue with a dining room table. That's fantastic. That is amazing. I will say, that Laura and I were discussing That's this last night. That's what the Democrats night. have to learn to do. But the other thing they have to do, though, is they have to figure... And keep in mind, I have no... This is not an ideological statement. Doesn't matter to me. I mean, really. I, who, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, everything is just so hopelessly effed. It doesn't really matter. So, I mean, I have no personal investment except that as somebody who enjoys entertainment. So just from, just from the... Um, I feel like John Madden when he would do the CBS chalkboard or whatever, when he would do like the, you know, and he's got to break free and he's got to run up the middle. From a, Simply from a strategic point of view, what the Democrats need to do is what the Republicans do. The Republicans boil everything down into one easily rememberable and easily recitable sentence. Usually a lie, but it doesn't matter. It's just, as long as it's something brief that the average moron can understand. So you can go like, no, 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 he had weapons of mass destruction. You know, it, 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 true, false, doesn't matter. You can remember it, you can repeat it. Or, uh, you know, the, uh, well, we counted the votes three times. Al Gore lost every time. Total lie, doesn't matter. Easy to remember, easy to recite. And then you look at the Democrats' version, and it's like this endless, like that healthcare co-op, yeah. public investment, simultaneous benefit plan thing that they're doing. Their, their problem is no they give people is. credit for being too smart. No, They have no. to realize pander, pander. that people are stupid. The average American has the brain of a box of hair. Yeah. And so you gotta just you got to just embrace that. This idea or two that, mating mosquitoes, if that much. <laughs> Some, but we have to people, uh, appeal to the better angels of the America. There are no better angels. You know, there are, there are no better angels and no one is smart. So you're never going to get anywhere trying to talk to people like they got brains. It's just not true. Uh, but Democrats know that, and plus Democrats are secretly or not so secretly terrified of winning or succeeding, like at all. So their whole method seems to be, uh, how can we come within a hair's breadth of victory and then suffer a tremendous reversal and defeat? Let's do that. So, in any event. 
Well, then there's the case of Tammy Warner, the 42-year-old Texas woman facing a homicidal rap for allegedly killing her husband with a wine enema. Why a wine enema, you ask? Well, according to cops, Michael Warner liked to drink but was unable to guzzle sherry due to a throat ailment. So the couple opted last May for a secondary delivery method for two large bottles of wine. The sherry infusion drove Warner's blood alcohol level to a whopping .47 and triggered his demise. Uh, yes, Warner knew that her husband should not ingest or consume alcohol, according to the court. In addition to a charge of criminal negligent homicide, the woman was hit with a second felony for allegedly burning her husband's will one month before his May 2004 death. She destroyed the document in a bid to defraud or harm others, say the judges. Uh, Warner is, oh, there's a picture of her. She's two big long eyelashes and a blonde wig. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I do like the fact that the specificity of the story in that his, he had a medical condition that prevented him from, quote, guzzling sherry. <laughs> I mean, and apparently he doesn't, you know, that's a thing that one doesn't just gradually, uh, you don't sip that over an extended evening with friends in front of a roaring fire. It, it must be consumed in one gigantic swig. Well, it sounds like he could still guzzle in a way. It's, yes, it's sort of a, uh, where's my uh, Phoenix soundbite? Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. There you go. <laughs> See, but he was not, but he didn't have the appropriate, you know, she had to go the other way. There was no, uh... There was no tamponing of said husband. You know, the, I keep we keep going back to the anal beer bong part of the story. Uh, this is from Phoenix, and where they, apparently they're concerned that your children are going to be... Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. Because it's like the hip new. That's when they're done with rainbow parties and jelly bracelets. I mean, and how uh, close gatherings. are you to your friends in junior high where it's like, hey, here's this area. Like, put something in it and give me a beer. You know what? I don't even take my shirt off around friends. No, I, uh, I just, I mean, I go to the beach, I stay covered up. I don't care who I'm with. And I get a little awkward when like, I see my girlfriends like changing their tops or something. I'm I like, don't mm. clip toenails in front of other people, much less... Even more graphic, anal beer bong. It's just not... Get, and plus, that involves a whole series of discussions about where everybody's standing. You know, and somebody, like, you obviously can't do it to yourself, so that means somebody else is assisting you in creating the beer bong. And in my opinion, this is just my scientific... I'm not a doctor, you understand, so this is just my... I'm surmising. This is my supposition. For this to work, and by this I mean... Even more graphic, anal beer bong. There's got to be... You would have to have a vacuum of some kind in your body. Not I mean like a hoover. I mean like an actual absence of matter. It's like twisty-turny. Like there's a maze going on in there. There's got to be something like... You know, sort of like to, to draw in. There's got to be an air pressure differential. And I don't know how your body is constructed, but I'm a, I'm a sealed unit over here. It's, uh, you know, you've got to have a singularity of some kind, like a quantum space within you. Let's quit talking about this. We come back. Uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will attempt to distance himself from all of this content for the sake of his image and job. We'll talk about what he believes to be the greatest movie scene and the greatest thing ever, and we'll count down the top five metal albums. Stay there. Back right after this, live from Portland, Oregon. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Welcome to my room. Do it now. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program here with uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. So before we get to counting down the top five metal albums, which will uh, commence in just a moment, you saw last week a movie and you said the end of this film was the greatest thing ever. You'd come to that conclusion. Please now to identify that movie and scene. Following everything that I've heard in the meantime, I'm not sure it's 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 still my favorite thing ever. Um, that, that sound clip from Phoenix might be. Um, but no, Purple Rain. Where, you know, it, it, it's wonderfully cheesy all the way through, but then you get to the end and his dad 
messes up shooting himself, and he sits down and teaches himself the girls' song on piano for some reason, even though there's you know, no real piano that he needs to play in it, <laughs> finally writes the lyrics, shows up on stage, and they, with a song that, as far as the rest of the band knows, has no lyrics and that they've never actually rehearsed, and nailed it in a way that makes everything finish just perfectly. And then they go into the dance number, and then he's on top of the amp with the guitar squirt gun, mm-hmm. and it freezes in that kind of painted-out watercolor yeah. sort of way right at the end. And it's just, I could watch it over and over and over again. I completely concur. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm with you on that. No, it is. I, 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 that movie is simultaneously so glorious and so absurd that it works in only the way that really ambitious, ridiculous rock things it's really It's like Roadhouse work. in that way. Exactly. It's like Roadhouse, but with frill. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, with today's top five, here's Tim Riley. And there are a few fans more passionate than those of metal. The heaviest of musics has a fan base of loyal enthusiasts eager to debate, discuss, and argue. With that in mind, we dare the impossible and present these, the top five metal albums of all time. With honorable mention going to Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. So this is honorable mention because I know that there are folks who would quibble with calling Motley Crue metal. Uh, that would be a distinction that, you know, it's one of those navel-gazing things you can sit, you know, sit around forever and talk about. Is it rock? Is it hard rock? Is it metal? Is it heavy metal? Is it whatever? Um, I would say... This certainly is, if you were going to pick a Motley Crue album to term metal, it would be this one. It has everything, has the imagery, it has the sort of clanging sound to it. It has, you know, everything is a real, the songs have a real sharp, jagged edge to them. It seems like the production sounds like metal in many ways. Mm-hmm. And it is certainly the heaviest of all the, of all of the Motley Crue albums. I would never argue with, with you with this as, as metal. Yeah, it, I mean, it straddles the line. It's, I see where you're coming from on that, but, you know... I would say it it's it's not unequivocally metal. It's sort of like Appetite for Destruction, you know, where people would you know we would talk about whether that was a metal album or not. And I really I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but if you keep going down that line, eventually you end up in Norway, and you know you're discussing nothing but death metal, <laughs> burning down a church. But these are the top five metal albums of all time. Tim Riley, number five is Iron Maiden with Number of the Beast. By the way, Bruce Dickinson is extremely white. I mean, he's like Europe white. And a charter airline pilot. That's true. Which is really what it, my second favorite like kind of post-band career behind the guy from Anthrax who went to become a watchmaker, like a master watchmaker. He's just sitting there in like a, like a finely crafted studio with a fire blazing with, with, somewhere. With tiny little instruments fixing gears and high-end Rolexes. Which guy no from Rolex. Anthrax became a watchmaker? He was one of the guitar players, not Scott Ian. Not, uh, and it wasn't like Charlie Benante or whatever his name is. I don't think so. God, I wrote, I wrote this a couple of years ago and I can't remember now. Uh, anyway, what, I mean, what can you say about Iron Maiden? And by the way, and I, it probably, I think maybe only Megadeth uh, can go into this category of awesome metal bands that have fantastic mascots. Bands have logans, uh, logos, they have slogans, they have iconic imagery. Full-on mascot. Big uh, corpse walking around. 
That's what I'm talking about. These are the top five metal albums of uh, all time, ladies and gentlemen. Number four, Black Sabbath with Paranoid. Again, another, uh, it doesn't necessarily sound metal by today's standards, but I think created the genre in a lot of ways. Yeah, today's standards don't exist without something like this. Right. I mean, they're sort of the, I mean, they're the, not the bottom rung on the ladder, but certainly one of the most crucial rungs on the ladder. And they had all of it, they had the whole thing about the sludgy sort of slow playing and that, that doing it, like those weird like half-step things that they would do where it was you know, not just a general like sort of blues based chord progression but these weird sort of chords that made you kind of tilt your head a little bit and made you sort of uneasy it had a kind of an unsettling sound which it should yeah well I mean the best you know, the best metal is supposed to terrify at least half the people who hear it I think these are the top five metal albums of all time in the opinion of me Rick Emerson Tim Riley number three is Slayer Rain and Blood I know it's early for Slayer, but if I didn't put this on, I was going to get killed outside the station. I should say, here's the biggest thing about Slayer and Rain and Blood is, and I've told the story before, but I purchased this album three different times, and I've never kept it. It's just too much. It's just too metal. You, you don't have a little safe place that you can put it where it won't where it won't get you where when you don't find need me. It. <laughs> I remember buying Rain, uh, Rain and Button. It's produced by Rick Rubin, and it's got you know it's so iconic, and it's on Def Jam Records, and it's got the cool cover art, and it's hey, it's Slayer. And I remember buying it and thinking to myself, all right, you know, this is it. This is the, I'm pulling the sword from the stone. I am buying Rain and Blood by Slayer. And I remember listening to it and just thinking to myself, I'm not ready for this. I uh, and then I bought it twice more, and each time I was like, it's just too much. I'm I'm not man enough to take this i'm is, sorry is this like in every five years every 10 years that, that every three years yeah all right there you go there's thanks <laughs> i had to turn that off i'm saying it's just i can't love it i just I, I know it makes me a big pussy and whatnot i just can't i can't do it sarah's gonna be awake for at least another five hours now. seriously you know what i like rain and blood i like it when it's behind glass and i can look at it but it can't get to me or touch me as you said. <laughs> these are the top five uh, metal albums of all time in the opinion of uh, me rick emerson uh, tim riley number two pantera vulgar display of power And, of course, they had other albums before this. They had Cowboys from Hell, which a lot of people would point to as their breakthrough. But really, this is the... Awesome. Oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And good morning to you. Uh, this is the pinnacle. I mean, just one of the true dividing lines, one of the true before and after records. I mean, it's a line in the sand for me. You know, I saw these guys open for Skid Row. Me too. Where? It, uh, Pine Knob. It has a different name now, but Pine Knob Amphitheater outside Detroit. Uh, I saw them in Spokane on that tour. And uh, we didn't know who Pantera was. I'm not going to pretend to be, like, I was old school. I, I didn't really know. And I had no idea, like, really who they were. I didn't know much about them. And I was there to see, you know, Skid Row, you play Youth Gone Wild? And they came out and they started playing. And it was like someone was punching me in the ribs with a steel glove. That was it. Was maybe the fullest I've ever seen a seen a joint for an opening act. Like yeah. everybody was was there to see that full show. And this production on this album is so crisp and clear, but so unbelievably heavy. And it holds it. It hasn't dated the slightest bit. I mean, this album will make your it'll make your your skull crack. All right, these are the top five metal albums of all time. Tim Riley, number one, Metallica, Master of Puppets. Kids, there was a time when Metallica made music like this. There was a time when you could go to the store and you would buy a brand new Metallica record. It sounded like a metal album. Milk was only $1.63 a gallon. <laughs> I had an onion on my belt. 
I mean, I don't even know what I what I could say about this. It's, it, you know, it's like Paul McCartney said, it's the White Album. What are you going to say? Uh, it, I, I mean, it's Master of Puppets. It's flawless. Nearly. I mean, it's in the front to back. Not really a bad moment on here. I mean, and this is back before they had no radio airplay, no video airplay. A purely, totally, 100%, absolutely grassroots, word of mouth, uh, you know, spreading of spreading of the word from fan to fan and became iconic, you know, based solely and simply on the music. Now they just Twitter it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm just going to go home and I'm going to send out like a Twitter because, um, you know, it's really like viral and I like the way that I can't do it like that. That's gas, but. pretty creepy. You sound exactly like Lars. Uh, Ryan White, what's coming up in the Oregonium? Uh, we've got Jack White on Friday. Uh, more articulate than I, how I explained it earlier, and then a feature on Sunday in the O section about Jeff Bird, a local pop singer who's uh, kind of returning from from a bad place, in, in this case Los Angeles, with a new record. Excellent. Uh, Ryan White, read him in print of the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. And ladies and gentlemen, you want to be listening for Tim Riley to be reciting Mudvayne lyrics. When you hear Tim Riley reciting Mudvayne, not now. When you were, in a, but uh, when you do hear that, you be caller ten at five zero three two two eight four one zero one again. Not now. As I'm I speaking often do that words. in my private moments, <laughs> when I think no one else is listening. <laughs> While you're filing down your nails, uh, when you hear Tim Riley reciting Mudvayne, you be caller ten. You win those tickets to Summer of Rock. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock one hundred one KUFO KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, tomorrow our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and with food porn, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Uh, Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines for you on this uh, Wednesday morning. Well, it looks like the plastic bag lobby has triumphed. Seattle voters reject a 20-cent grocery bag fee for plastic bags. Not going to happen. Washington State's unemployment rate dropped slightly, but Clark County's went up. And Blockbuster has a disastrous new plan in store. Excellent. I can't wait to hear all about it, Tim Riley, later on this hour. The other thing I can't wait for is to hear Tim Riley reciting Mudvayne lyrics. That'll be coming up at some point this hour. So, as I always say, don't... And and I say this, and people disregard it, and they call anyway, and then poor Greg has to crush your dreams, and that's my job. (laughs) So don't call now. Do not call about Mudvayne tickets now. Of course, KUFO Summer of Rock continues. It's Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, and more. The Pedal to the Metal Tour that is uh, coming to Washington County's Fairgrounds uh, Sunday, August 23rd. You can find out more at KUFO.com. It's freaking fun. For the love of God, when I say don't call now, it's not opposite day. So when you hear Tim Riley reciting Mudvayne lyrics later on this hour, at that point, you be called at 10 at 503-228-4101, which is the only part anybody seems to hear, and you will win yourself a pair of tickets to KUFO Summer of Rock Part 3. So be listening. And you, see, you need I, a reverb when you say Part 3. Part three. Three, 3! And I was not here for the Shinedown uh, show or for the, their performance. You went to their acoustic show, though, didn't you? I did. It was fantastic. It was at the Kink Lounge. What did you say? You said, the lead singer seems like an angry man. He was. He seemed deeply unhappy with life. Uh, maybe it was just that moment. Well, you know, it's... He probably uh, he brightened the, up. Maybe he they wrote didn't, the book of madness. He was a kink. Maybe they didn't have the right kind of cream cheese for his bagel. They have a beautiful green room there. This is feta. I asked for Brie! Anywho... Sarah Dillon just returned from uh, New York City. New York City. And so we are uh, glad to have you back. So you, uh, a couple of things. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a couple of things. One, 
You got into a, uh, you were in the middle of a bar brawl, so we'll talk about that. But first, you went on the Gossip Girl tour. I did, and my sister and I were older than anybody else there, um, at least by 10 years. And I could tell by the number of parents that were there because you had to have a parent accompany you if you were under 15. Because they were working blue. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't It wasn't too edgy. It wasn't as big as, uh, as edgy as the Sex and the City tour. Um, but it was amazing. We got to go... It was so nerdy and awesome. Like we went on this really nice air conditioned bus, which was super good because it was like a hundred degrees there. Mm-hmm. We're on this air conditioned bus, looked at all the sites where they filmed it, like where the Gossip Girl schools were, like where they had like the masquerade ball, all this stuff, and we could get out and take pictures. And then they had these screens in front of you where you could uh, see the clip from the show and then see the thing. And then they'd show you. That's was, pretty cool. It was super cool. Yeah. So got to do that. Um, that was a good way to spend out of the heat for three hours. And then how did the bar brawl come? In? Now this is the what is the name of the actual bar? Because it's where okay, they. This, this bar is called the Turkey's Nest. It's on uh, Bedford Ave. It's right near McCarran Park. So and it's right on the corner. It's a pretty infamous bar. It's the one that they use for the show Rescue Me, the Dennis Leary show Rescue Me on yeah, FX. Yeah, I guess they're filming there like what, at least once a week for the Dennis Leary show. So you're in the bar. And it's they're known for their uh, takeaway beers, uh-huh. which are, you know, of course, illegal. Of but course. Uh, they have these huge styrofoam cups, but uh, they also have an assortment of lids and straws. <laughs> so the, what is that? It's Gatorade. Yeah, so it's like a lot of people usually get nailed from, you know, like standing out in front of the bar. Because usually you're okay if you walk off with them. But if you're standing in front of the bar with it, of course, a cop's going to come up to you. Do you have your journal uh, with you, the, the journal entry you were you were making? No, I have it at home. I was going to um, trans- transcribe it all into the Internet. Uh, so yeah, but at some point, because I was going to have you just read your journal entry, which uh, I saw a bit of that. And it was it was really just the best possible way to recap it. But so let's do you're in the bar. How does the brawl happen? In the bar. We meet this guy. uh I can't remember his name now. I think his name is Ryan. So we meet him. I'm with my friend Laurel. We decide to go out and have a smoke. And um, so we're all sitting out there. This bald guy comes up to us and he starts talking. And he's like, oh, yo, you know, and he's big sweatpants, bald head. You guys going to keep sitting there? Thick Jersey accent, lots of like neck tattoos and kind of freaky looking. And as as we're talking to him, uh, out of the corner of my eye, I'm sitting like at the edge of the building. I see this thing fly past me and I look and it's a person and they land on their face like right next to me I'm like what the hell is going on and then I see these three meathead guides all like shaved heads tons of tattoos beat the crap out of this guy and they're kicking him in the face and so the uh, the kid finally gets up he's missing teeth he's bleeding from the mouth um like his hipster friends come running out of the bar to try and defend him and it just escalates in this huge like fi- like five or six skinheads from Jersey and like these four hipster guys and the hipsters of course are losing and they're like getting the crap beat out of them. I see one of the skinhead guys grab one of the. Now when you say skinheads, are these like Nazi guys or the, I don't know what that kinda, means really. They seem kind of Nazi. They all had shaved heads, lots of neck tattoos, very aggressive. Um, and I see one of them grab this hipster guy and he's dragging him by his collar. Who picks on hipsters? That just seems like I mean that's like picking on it's like picking on uh, like a, uh, like pieces of wheat. Oh, it was yeah, it was they were spindly and yeah. weak looking. So one of the ones that ran out of the bar to defend him, you know, he got kicked in the head and then he was laying on the ground and one of the guys grabbed him by the collar and brought him over to the curb. Oh, and was it going to give him the full curb stomp? It was Please unreal. tell me it didn't happen. It did not happen. Okay. But the guy was I don't even like to think about picking that. up his head and he was... I That's the American it. History X thing yeah. you were mentioning where it's like the curb bite. So Laurel and I run up to the stoop oh, and uh, we're, we're heading up the stoop right next to it. Meanwhile, this brawl's going on right in front of us and I'm kind of standing in front of her to protect her because they're throwing people and Right, things. yeah. And so this guy almost gets his face on the curb, and uh, one of the other hipster guys breaks free and kicks the other guy off of him. The other hipster guy gets up. Meanwhile, the guy uh, who was the skinhead who was talking to us earlier uh, comes up and kicks the guy in the side. Then he falls down. On now, the why were you not running away? I'm because just... we couldn't leave. There was no place to go. Like they were, they were all right in front of us. We were trapped on. Oh, the so stoop. you're like sort of wedged in. We couldn't go back in the bar because more people kept running out, including the bartender who came out at this point with a baseball bat. <laughs> the bartender comes out. Uh, tries to take a swing at the guy who's kicking the other guy in the head. The other guy's now bleeding from the ears. 
takes a swing at him. Um, the bartender uh, like pulls the bat back. The skinhead clocks him in the face, knocks him out, takes the baseball bat. These SUVs pull up, all the doors open, and these guys just like kick the kids a couple more times to make sure that they're good and down, and then run laughing into the SUVs and peel out. It was unreal. And Strange things happen to you. Then the bartender comes back in, so we go back inside after it seems like it's calmed down. Calm down. The bartender's bleeding from the mouth, and he's just like, everybody get the F out! And it's only like midnight, right, and he right. shut down the bar. He's bleeding. Like it was, He was like still clutching the baseball bat. It was unreal. I thought that that was the first time I really felt like I was going to be like you were in danger, like something Mm -hmm. bad is going to happen. We were crammed into the stoop because I and they were right in front of us. And I've never seen anyone with broken teeth, seen someone almost curbed, seen someone like taking a swing at someone with a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys meant business, too. Like it wasn't like a scuffle. No, they weren't joking around. This is seriously like we're going to we're going to beat you until you uh, until you're just a pile of dust and blood. Oh, yes. No, they they were dragging that guy to the curb. for. Oh, God. That was so creepy. I was so distraught when we were seeing that. And Laurel's like, you know, crashed behind me with her eyes closed. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's almost like a car wreck. It's like, I can't. I don't want to look at it, but I can't look away. And then, of course, the worst misery is immediately after when you need to drink, the bar is closed. Oh, yeah. And then I had to walk home alone. Ah, <laughs> it was swell. really, and, and Brooklyn's fine at night, you know, you know, minus the gang beatings and whatnot. But uh, yes, it sounds like a charming place. No, having to walk home, you know, after I walked Laurel to the subway stop, and I'm not going to get a cab for you know right, three blocks. Right, so. right. And, and I was just so afraid an SUV was going to pull up around the corner. And that's the thing, and you know, and, I, and it makes you sound like such, you know, the, the, whenever you, you know, you, I, like I say things like this, I sound, I sound like the country mouse in the big city. But at one point, I. Laura and I were uh, doing something or other. We were meeting up or I ca- we were somewhere with uh, somebody or other. And anyway, the point, but I came home before she did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is always a mistake because when you're me and I got off at the wrong, I got off at the wrong subway exit, of course. Of course. And nothing happened. But still, you know, it's like two in the morning and it's pitch black outside and you're in, you know, some strange part of, uh, you know, of New York. And you kind of get out and you go, and there's my... Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> ah, crap. And then there's that. doesn't look like my stuff. It's serious. And then suddenly in your head, it's like everything becomes a CSI episode or like a, you know what I mean? Where you, you're just flashing forward to, uh, you know, you're flashing forward to, um, just to like David Caruso taking off his glasses and, you know, you know, and saying something, looking at me and saying like, well, it looks like Brooklyn became, I got nothing. Oh, no, I was, I was I'm choking. I can never, <laughs> I can never do these. I try to do the David Caruso thing, and I've never, I've never, I've never been able to do it. Yeah, that's what I felt like when I was watching that bar fight happening. I felt like I had stepped outside of myself, and I was watching something, and I was so afraid that something bad was going to happen because we were like on the stoop that's only like three steps up, against a door that's there's no like enclave or anything. Right, we're just like right. flat against the wall, like literally as these people are beating each other to basically death at like four feet in front of us. Jesus. It was freaky. I, oh, I do not want to see. It, it, it was interesting. I know a couple people went to the hospital. Oh, and the cops were called and they never showed up. So that oh. was even the best part. Awesome. Straight ahead, we'll uh, move on to something of a lighter nature. Oh, we I got to ask you. Now, we can't talk about it here, but when we get back, I've got to ask you about uh, this awkward, horrible moment from uh, Sunday's True Blood. So okay. uh, we'll talk about that here in a few. And when you hear Tim Riley reciting Mudvayne lyrics, you want to be caller Tim when you hear that. Score yourself some Vermont tickets. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following for the good people of the Rose City? General Motors will add 1,300 new jobs. Matt Lauer reminds Richard Hatch he was sent to prison for being a tax cheat. Not for being gay, as he claimed. 
And Michael Jackson's body will be stacked on top of other stars at Forest Lawn Mausoleum. And so the dealers are going to bury him what, on, on his, his birthday. On his birthday. Happy birthday. And so when is that? Do we, well, I guess we must know. Sometime just, this month. Okay. But so they, it's going to be his 51st almost birthday? almost 51. Yeah. All right. And uh, Joe Jackson, as, as Roop noted... They kept saying, well, we want it to be a private affair with just family. And then Joe Jackson immediately followed up by giving out the address and the time that it's going to be taking place. So, uh, where he'll no doubt have like some sort of like, I picture him with like a lemonade stand kind of thing or like one of those bad, like a merch table out front where he's just sort of, what do you want? You want a keychain? Uh, you want a Michael Jackson rosary? What do you want? I got everything here. So, we'll talk uh, more about that coming up in the next segment. Also, um, this. Um, Friday, we'll talk to Dax Holt uh, from TMZ and get sort of the end of week recap and all that. I'm going to ask him if there's any more dirt on what's her name, the Miss Teen Oregon, um, Carrie Ann uh, Panish, Panache, whatever. But she's in that. Uh, she's in the the uh, that sex video with um, no 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 with Rebecca Gayhart. I'm sorry, the naked about video. Sex video. The, well, that's the thing where the Inquirer had the stills of them in a bathtub with what looked like crack. I mean, crack pipes. And, you know, she's sort of sitting there. And I guess at one point they're talking about, well, maybe we should all have sex or whatever. It's all very confusing. So we'll find out about that and uh, so forth. Before we talk about Brett Favre, about whom we will have a discussion in just a moment, because even I have some thoughts on that guy. And my sports knowledge, I mean, is is so small as to almost be non-existent. You almost can't even see it. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a second. I wanted to ask you, without doing like a full recap of all the True Blood stuff, because it's already Wednesday, we'll talk more about it on Friday when we do the predictions for Sunday night's episode. Mm Mm-hmm. I told you, I think I was, uh, it was on the phone or I, uh, in person, maybe in New York. I said, have you watched True Blood? And you said no. And I said, okay, watch for this horrible, awkward moment at about 34 minutes in where they address vampire physiology. Oh, yeah. So there's that moment where, uh, what's your name, Jessica, is having relations with Hoyt for the second time. And then it turns out it's all it's painful all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as Foreigner once she said, died it a virgin. feels like the first time. Yes. Because vampires just heal everything every time something is injured. <laughs> so all of her lady uh, bits uh, you know, are uh, intact every single time she has. And the only reason I mention that is because you and I had had that whole conversation here like, I don't know, 10, 12 days ago about vampire uh, you know... Excrement. Uh, well, that and also just the sexing and uh, and how that worked if they, uh, if they don't have normal human... Yes. Business because they like ways. when they cry, they cry tears of blood. Yeah, and so that the only other thing I have to say is that great moment which I I've been told now. I thought Alan Ball just contrived it because it's a thing he wanted to see, but apparently it's in one of the books too, where what's his name Eric contrives that, that Suki has to suck, suck some pieces of silver out of his nipples. I swear to God, it because there's like nipples, it's like out of his chest. No, 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 no. The other one is it's like full on. It's okay, like it's on the nipple. Like it's right. I say pointing okay, at my own. Can I tell nipple. you? Can I tell you what my prediction is from this? Yes. Just look at, okay, so this past week, I think, right, I wrote it down. So I think the woman who's, uh, who is now the sheriff planned the whole ordeal so she could become the sheriff, and she used Hugo to make Godric look bad, therefore she looked, because uh, when she was crying to Godric about forgiveness, no tears of blood, just like smears, uh, and then they made it very pronounced when other people were crying throughout the entire episode. So Eric's it's a, crying. It's a ruse, it's a front. I think that she had orchestrated the whole thing so she could become sheriff. I think that she's evil. Final thing is the last observation I'll make about True Blood until Friday. Every moment that Eric guy is on the screen, do you not? It just throws into stark relief. A how hot he is, how bad an actor that Bill guy is. The Bill Compton, and also Bill needs to go. And also, I just he he has no charisma at all as an actor or as a character, because you, every time that Eric dude is on the screen, you just think to yourself, and then they cut back to Bill, 
And it's like cutting back to your schlumpy, like, uh, you know, like some schlumpy guy you dated in high school who you later realize is just a colossal tool. And I really like Jason Stackhouse after these last two episodes. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I, I am fully on the Jason bandwagon. It's good. And I, I'm I'm all for Anna Paquin doing nude scenes, by the way. She's not really my type, but uh, I've decided that that's a, that's a thing I'm strongly in favor of. She and needs Lenora to do more of And Lenora scares the crap out of me. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, all right, so we'll talk more about it on Friday. Uh, Greg Nibbler. Yes. Okay, Brett Favre. Am I accurate in this assessment... Is he just an attention whore who has figured out that the easiest way right now to get attention is to just publicly vacillate and just to sort of prevaricate back and forth about, I don't know, maybe I'll retire, maybe I won't, maybe I'll sign with somebody, maybe I shan't. I think that is pretty accurate because this is pretty much what he's done the last two seasons. The NFL offseason has been completely preoccupied with him saying, oh, I'm retiring. And then he, he the first time he retired, which was two years ago, did this like he started he blubbered crying. at the press yeah, conference. And, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to miss the game, blah, blah, blah. And then spent the next like three months saying, well, maybe not. I could come back. I which don't know. Is totally a, a, like a, a complete jackass move to the guy yeah. who got his job. Right. The guy who oh, is yeah. the quarterback. Because then Favre's going, well, I don't know. Maybe you won't keep the job. Maybe it'll be me again. Well, and that's the thing. This other guy had been waiting for three years. I think it was two or three years waiting for his shot. And finally, Favre retires. So he gets, you know, he's his shot. Everybody says, okay, we're behind you. And then Brett's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe sure. I, might, I maybe. might not be gone for good. <laughs> maybe you'll be 30 before you start. I don't yeah. know. You know, I mean, and and so finally he comes back and the, and the Packers uh, told him to screw off. And so he went to the Jets this last year. And then, uh, and then at the end of last season, retired again. Right. And now he's come back and did this whole thing again. So now the way he's doing it, I think he's still been so mad at the Packers. Right now he's signing with the Vikings, which are in the same division, like bitter, bitter. They're arch rivals. The, the worst team he could possibly go yeah. to to screw over the Packers. So this is a whole uh, fu to the uh, to the Packers. It's a giant fu to the Packers. Yeah. So do you think? I mean, just as a sports fan, do you think he'll uh, finish out the season and retire? I mean, are we going to get another? Are we going to get a retirement a year? No, from he him? signed a two year contract. So he, this time he said two years. He's Jesus. getting twenty five million bucks too, and he's going to be forty this year. You know, and I have to say I had no problem like with when Jordan came back. I I was okay with that. See, I thought that was that was fine because he did it in a way that seemed kind of classy, and he really did seem. He's like, hey, I want to play again, you know. And plus, and people say, well, Michael Jordan, aren't you going to tarnish your legacy? And he said something. He didn't. He's much more polite than this, but he said something to the effect of, I'm Michael Jordan. No, nothing's going to tarnish my legacy. Yeah. Whereas Brent Favre seems to be doing a pretty good job of, of just demolishing all the respect people had for him. Well, and the thing is, he's not that good anymore either. That's the problem. It's like he's completely trashing his career. Like, and he was he was a really good quarterback. He was one of the best. You know, he could definitely be in the Hall of Fame. But and uh, now he'll just be the whining guy that Sarah remembers from something about Mary. Yes. All right. Well done, Brett Favre. All right. Favre. Straight ahead, we'll have uh, more news from Tim Riley. And coming up at uh, 9, it smells like the 90s with a good friend, Buzz. So be listening for that. It's 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show continues live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Just do what you do to do what you did to me. Now I'm stuck in between a rock and nowhere with nothing with no one. Just do what you do, you do, you do to me. Draw the chalk line around the scene, it's over. Now it's all over.
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for uh, joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and from the Willamette Week, Kelly Clark with another installment of Food Porn. Let's pay a final visit for today to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 847 now. It's going to be the hottest day of the week so far with temperatures near 100 in the city, possibly more in the suburbs. Oregon's attorney general's office is suing the Florida company importing those Chinese e-cigarettes. This comes the same day that a New York county has banned them. Washington State's unemployment rate has dropped slightly, not so in Clark County. Their jobless rate continues to grow to 13.7%, over 30,000 county residents remain unemployed there. Perhaps that's why they had so many angry people showing up for Brian Baird's town meeting at the Clark County Amphitheater last night. He played it safe, saying he's not sure whether or not he'll support the health care bill or whatever that is. By the way, I wasn't uh, I wasn't watching any of that stuff because I was busy watching uh, uh, what did the, uh, the the Britney Spears thing from Letterman. So that's this morning. I was like recapping all the TV that I missed last night because mm-hmm. um, I went to bed pretty early. But I got up and so Britney was on. Did anybody else watch it? or Am I the only one? I, well, I, I have it here. I watched it on the Internet. Did time. you? And so we have the audio from it. What did you think? What did you think about the way she looked? Because they, she was so Britney Spears was on Letterman and she was there in a bikini and she was counted in the top ten. So he'd say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, number eight, and then they would cut to Britney Spears and it was like how the world would be different if she was president or something or like a Britney Spears presidency, which seems like a, a top ten from like seven years ago. It seems like something that time has passed. I just don't think she should have been wearing what she was wearing. I didn't she everybody kept talking about no 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 it's her chance to show off her physique and to look really good and I don't think she looked really good. I mean she's not ugly but I I think She looked exactly how she has looked when blogs were making fun of her for being overweight. She looked uh, I don't want to say lumpy. It's not just that but it was she like she looked kind of stocky and like oddly muscular in places and that, really thick around the middle. That that's exactly she has pointy knees. <laughs> The, but you know she I'm looked sorry, like you know what I'm talking about. Like she was, she was thick. There wasn't any like anything. But it, it, it was that. But it was like also, you know how Madonna has that weird muscularity thing going on. Madonna looks all like buffed out, but like in a sickly kind of way. Mm-hmm. Imagine like a somewhat heavier version of that. So you're right. Like thick is totally the word for it too. It because she like she did have like physique in the sense that she had built up some muscle, but it was also just over this kind of like tree trunk like thing going on it was it was not good and the She's bikini like, was dressing her like why is she wearing a outfit. bikini why the, i don't know it was the wrong wrong look for her so anyway yeah the, that's a fail so all right here's uh, tim Ryan. yeah so this is what would happen if she was elected president uh, number three challenge u.s to put nightclub on the moon by the end of the decade exactly and she challenge has a, uh, u.s number two does she have a little bit of a trace of an accent Wars. there vice president diddy and the number one way the country would be different if Britney Spears were president. Finally, the media would pay some attention to me. Ah, there you go. See, because see, it's ironic because people people pay attention oh, to her a lot. See, she's I been get it now. she's famous. That clever Britney. So therefore, it's all right. There you go. Snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. First, this just in, the creator of 60 Minutes, Don Hewitt, has died at the age of 86. Hewitt uh, founded the CBS program in 1968. 
He has been honored at the second annual Lifetime Achievement Award by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and he's won uh, numerous awards. He created 60 Minutes Bank in 1968 and remains like a top 10 program. Still, he was diagnosed with a small contained tumor. Uh, when he was, when uh, Cronkite died a couple weeks ago, I heard um, it was John King on CNN doing a phone interview with Don Hewitt, and I wonder why it was over the phone. And and then I heard him talking. He sounded sick. He didn't sound like he was very well at all. Uh, and so apparently, you know, he was not. Then longtime political columnist Robert Novak, known for his conservative views, and being the first to publish Valerie Plain's name as a CIA agent, died at his home in Washington. He died of brain cancer. He got about the same time as Ted Kennedy did. Yep. So uh, he hasn't been writing or working for the longest time. And he was 78 years old. There you go. There's your double snuff watch. This guy totally sums it up about the Britney thing on Letterman. He says she was Tanya-esque. That because Tanya Harding had the same thing where she was muscular but stumpy. You know what I mean? It was like everything was a little too big. Uh, you know, and then she had, and, and I keep going back to the bikini. Not like I know how to dress myself, really, but that, but it, but it's all, I'm also not like a zillionaire who could hire somebody. Like if you were, if you were independently wealthy, wouldn't you just hire someone to follow you around at all times if you thought you were going to be photographed or filmed and make sure that you, you were constantly looking good? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. You know, if your brow becomes uh, sweaty, you, you get a little shiny on the face, you got a hair out of place. Somebody, and, and the thing is, they wouldn't even be seen. They'd lurk behind you in the shadows and then they would lurk. I'm sorry, Mr. Riley, there's a hair out of place. <laughs> Not that that would ever happen, of course. Or else have them also be a blocker. It's like if you don't want to have your picture taken, like stand right in front of you. See, I would totally do that. I would hire people with like big trench coats, and they would flank me, and they would open uh, the trench coats if I didn't want to be photographed for some reason. See, why do celebrities never, and I would never drive myself anywhere, ever again, ever, ever, ever. Never, ever. I would have a driver who would be drug tested 50 times a day, uh, and he would drive me everywhere I wanted to go. This is why, but see, this is why God doesn't give us lots of money because He knows we'd use it properly, and therefore we wouldn't be entertained. Here's Tim God Riley. God is mistaken. That's right. Uh, this also just in: the second episode of Mad Men was mysteriously leaked on iTunes only for a few minutes, and we have found out that Peggy will ask to smoke marijuana in episode two. <gasps> dun dun dun. Okay, that doesn't count as a spoiler because we all found out at the same time. It was spoiled for all of us. <laughs> That's what Tim Riley does. And Fox News claims Michael Jackson's Dr. Dr. Conrad Murray, who, who went on the TV apologizing. I yesterday. want to thank all of my patients and friends who have sent such kind emails, letters, and messages to let me know of your support and prayers. It's not going to help. He's going to be charged with manslaughter, says Fox News, within the next few days. So what is that, uh, that accent in his voice? It's somebody. a combination of the Bronx and India. He, he doesn't pronounce THs. He sounds, it almost sounds I like... I want to thank all of my patients and friends who have sent such kind emails, letters, and messages to let me know of your support and prayers for me and my family. Because of all that is going on, I'm afraid to return phone calls or use my email. Therefore, I recorded this video to let all of you know that I have been receiving your messages. I have not been able to thank you personally, which, as you know, is not normal for me. Your messages give me strength and courage. Strength. Strength. And keep me going. Well, thanks. They mean the world <laughs> to me. Okay. He sounds like somebody, like I can picture from an Indiana Jones movie saying, like, Dr. Jones. I can't quite put my finger on He reminds me of somebody. There's some celebrity voice mm. uh, that I can't quite nail down there. So, 
I mean, it's just, okay, we we got to wrap this up, but I have to, so there's that. So they're think, thinking that guy's going to be charged with manslaughter. And then just to back on the Madman thing for a second. So Peggy will ask to smoke marijuana? Is yes. that how it's phrased? Yes. Who would she ask, do you suppose? It doesn't say. Is it? Okay, real quickly. Do we think it's going to be, it's gonna be the an beatnik. existing character, like the Beatnik, whatever his name I think is? it's the Beatnik dude. Who yeah, has... we, have we seen the Beatnik? We didn't see him in the first episode, did we? Uh, we did, real briefly. Don't say yet. Please don't spell anything. I, I don't think he has the beard, time. though. Okay. I think oh, he's lost like the beard. the beard. He might still have, but he doesn't look like a beard. I mean, he looks very, you know, he's kempt. Uh, because, you know, they got the, you know, because that British company bought it last season. Mm. So I think he's trying to look, you know, go to, I won't give anything else, but you're not finished with it. But okay. I wonder if he has it because, you know, he has, uh, because he has like the exotic friends and whatever, and he hangs out in the village. Didn't Don smoke marijuana last season with that, with the, or with the did first, he with he actually his, smoke it? I think he did with his hippie girlfriend. I thought he did, but the one that he would go to the, uh, oh, on, a, on a bed and... made of money. You know, I have the address of that actual bar where he's sitting with the he, the hippie who goes, how do you sleep at night? He says on a bed made of money. And I didn't get a chance to go, unfortunately, but I think Don Draper smoked marijuana. Oh, or I did he, he? I believe he did. I think he did. Yes, yes, because yes, he was he at that party in the yes, loft. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you got to wonder. Records and stuff. So why is there such a big deal that Peggy does it? Although because I guess she's a she's Peg. a she's a woman and she's very pure. And Don is, of course, you know, and Don is an anti-hero. He's villainous in some ways. All right, we are, we are talking about this. All right, tomorrow, uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will be here with another installment of Food Porn. And we'll also talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. We want to thank uh, Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio, also the Oregonian uh, music editor known as Ryan White, who you can read in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101. KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. It is Greg Nibbler, production assistant extraordinaire at the front desk. The gatekeeper is Dave Zim, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, executive producer when Christopher J. Paddock smells like the 90s is next with our good friend Buzz at 9. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Rick Emerson and it is Wednesday, August 19th, 2009. And that is the frequency, Kenneth. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. mom from alaska attention broadcasters in the greater portland area your daily show prep is now concluded thank you for listening